Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, however, wherever, whenever you're listening. This is the Root for Wisconsin show, episode 121, coming at you from the Riverwood Gallery Studio in De Pere, Wisconsin. I'm host, producer Eric Fisher. Joining me in studio this week, we've got member of the Highway 22 crew, Sean Klossman. Sean, how are you doing, buddy? Doing good. How are you? Fantastic. And joining us for the first time since October 2022... Ramsey Thompson, how you doing, buddy? Awesome, guys. Glad to be back. Welcome back Glad to the to show. Be here. Uh, it's been a minute. It's been a couple minutes. Maybe two or three, actually. At least two or three. Glad to have you back. Glad the schedule worked out where you could join us again. And cannot wait. Ramsey texted me last week, and I was so confused. He te- Well, I guess I wasn't too confused. I didn't probably know exactly where this is going. But he, That's what you think. He texted me last <laughs> week, Thursday saying, book me for Tuesday. I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? Like, we're going to the race on Tuesday. Like, are we giving you a ride? I said, for the race, question mark? Ramsey says, next pod. And I said, Monday. He said, I'll be there. I got shit to say. So So we are here. You are here. We are recording. Ramsey's on a mic. I'm a little terrified because I asked him for a preview. He did not give me one. (laughs) So I can only, I have a feeling. I, I have a feeling. I bet you do have a feeling, and I bet you might be wrong. Okay, I'm intrigued with that. Let's get <laughs> right into it. Before we do so, though, we've got to talk about our friends. First of all, Rage and Pro Wrestling, RPW, whole bunch of events coming up. First and foremost, got to talk about August 26th, the Watering Hole, uh, that being RPW Heat Wave 3, the anniversary show. Uh, that one only getting bigger and better. Uh, they had their card kind of coming out, and they kind of keep announcing different stuff. Uh, but Rage and Pro Wrestling, tickets available at the Watering Hole at RageandProWrestling.com, and also look sharp at the Fox River Mall. Tickets are still available, but going quick. Also, we'll have RPW Homecoming, November 3rd, and then immediately after, I think November 4th, going back to Manitowoc for another RPW event. I think it's back-to-back nights, three weekends of back-to-back RPW also, Saturday, in the newest announcement, August 26th, Heat Wave 3, the title town classic, Kevin Krieger, takes his rightful place as the first ever member to join the RPW Hall of Fame. RPW is congratulating Kevin Krieger on over a four-different-decade career. Just incredibly long longevity from Kevin Krieger. So shout-out to Kevin Krieger, half of Cujo and Kevin Krieger. You know... There's not a better way to spend whatever dollar amount ticket you go buy than RPW. Absolutely. I absolutely love it. Totally agree. So that is going on. Also, front row at RPW Destiny 3, November 4th in Manitowoc is already sold out. Luckily, boys, we've got tickets. Woo. So we'll be there. We'll be at RPW Homecoming 3, or Homecoming 1, because I forgot that one's number one. Um, that is available. Very limited front row tickets available. We'll also be there for that one. Like I said, if you guys haven't got a chance to get out and check RPW, you need to get out and just pay the money, show up, have some beers, just kick back, enjoy the night. I don't think there's a better way to spend your hard-earned dollars than RPW. Oh, easily. And great people, great talent always coming in. Always. Um, I'm a little bit bummed that we're not going to be at Heat Wave 3 because it is the return of Permfection Sam Beal, that Dirty Lions fan. Oh, Sam Beal's the worst. But also the best. Also the I best. love Sam yeah. Beal. But uh, Sam he, Beal... He's Pit Vipers. Like, he, his personality is Pit Viper. His personality is Pit, 
Pit Viper advertising. Yeah. Yep. Um, just incredible talent always coming through. If you're looking at that Friday, November 3rd show, it's in, uh, I want to make sure I get the city right. It's Rich's hometown, so I don't want to mess this up at all. Still looking. I feel like it was Wapaka, wasn't yes, it? Yes, it is Wapaka. And also, the return, the hometown girl, Santana Garrett, making her appearance as well. There we go. She's been uh, doing other stuff lately, hasn't she? She's been doing a lot of different, I don't, not necessarily TV, but a lot of different uh, acts where her schedule's conflicted, taking a lot of different bookings out there. But she will be back in Wapaka on November 3rd. So tickets are available. Only 20, as of, why well, this is actually... Couple, about a week old. As of last week, 25 front row seats remaining going quick. So be sure to get those tickets for that. What venue is that at, does it say? It does. The Wapaka, Wapaka Expo Center at 187 Grand Seasons Drive, Wapaka, Wisconsin. Wapaka's beautiful that time of year, too. Absolutely. So be sure to get your tickets. Tickets are going fast, and you are not going to want to miss RPW Heat Wave 3. Homecoming, and Destiny 3 to wrap up the calendar year 2023. Plenty of shows. Also, they're already starting to get their family passes or their kind of year-long pass for the 2024 shows. Can't believe it's going so quick, so be sure to check that out as well. Rage and Pro Wrestling. Also got to talk about our friends over at Ray's Energy, RepSports.com, code root 4, R-O-O-T, number 4, 15% off any order over there. With that, we get into the episode of what we are rooting for, and that is brought to you by Fanatics, over 300-plus powered stores, including the newly launched NFL sideline gear and NFL training camp gear. Be sure to check out your favorite team and rep your team as well. So, Ramsey, it's been a while. So if you want to just catch the folks up on how good life has been in the last, what, nine months? Somebody could have had a baby <laughs> since the last time you've been on this thing. If there was a baby born, you should have named it after me if you didn't. Or there's one coming up, you should definitely name it after me at that point. I would have to agree at this point. <laughs> if, you're, if you're a dedicated RPW fan and you're having a baby, Ramsey, last name. Insert last name there. Yes. No, just last name. Yeah, I think you have to change it. No, actually, Ramsey, last name. Insert last name. <laughs> All right, Ramsey, what do you got for us? What's been going on? Uh, not a whole lot, man. Just work and, you know, we've been busy. Traveling and doing all sorts of stuff. Um, I guess the big sporting event was we were at uh, North Wilkesboro for the All Star Race. Very nice. A couple months back. Um, amazing venue. If you guys ever get a chance to head out to the Carolinas, go see a NASCAR race. Some of the nicest people you ever come across. They were super hospitable. Everyone was just so happy to be back at the track for the first time in what, 20 or almost 30 years, I think it was. Um, the truck race was really good. Kyle Larson obviously won, and then Kyle Larson dominated the main event. Um, really easy in, really easy out. So if you're ever in that area, it sounds like next year they're going to get a, a points race. Oh, really? Or at least go back for the all-star event. Um, awesome area to go to. So I can't stress enough. If you can get out there, definitely go. It's worth the money. Take a trip. It's a 14- or 15-hour drive probably. So it's drivable. Yeah, it's drivable. You can go through the mountains. Um, uh, App State is right there, right next to it. So it's a nice little oh, college nice. town. So they have a little bit of everything there. So definitely, if you have some opportunity to head out that way, definitely head that way. Very nice. So that's Ramsey's. I guess we'll come back here as you're root for. Oh, I don't get a root for? You got another one, too? What do you well, got? I've been rooting for Ty Majeski. 
Yeah, absolutely. Our boy in the trucks finished second. Probably should have won the race. Had a little bit. He got off on pit strategy towards the end of the truck race on, was that Saturday night, I believe it was? Yes, Saturday night. And he's locked into the playoffs, though. Been qualifying really well. Richmond was a good track for him. I compare Richmond similar to a Phoenix-type event, so running well at Richmond is usually a pretty decent sign that you're somewhat ready for Phoenix. So he dominated, I believe, in stage two in 11 laps. He put a a four-and-a-half-second lead on the rest of the field. Wow. So really fast truck on Saturday night. Hasn't got a chance to win yet this year, but, you know, Bristol's coming up. That's always a good track for him. So getting ready for Phoenix. We'll be out there for championship weekend again later this year. So hope to see Ty there. Yeah, and and racing again for a championship like he did last year. Yeah, hopefully we can uh, get some points and point in or get a win maybe somewhere down the way here. So that's what I've been rooting for. And also, NASCAR gear available on Fanatics. <laughs> All right, Sean, what do you got for us? Um, I think I'm going to go with the Timber Rattler game. Well, kind of the shanty men game that we went to Saturday night. They got smoked pretty bad. but They won the first game. <laughs> they won the first game, but got smoked pretty bad in the second game. It was just kind of a cool... Cool little experience. Very unique. I mean, so first of all, I know minor league baseball very well known for uh, different jersey combinations, stuff like yep. that. The uh, Lake Winnebago shanty men for the night. I think one of the cooler minor league jerseys I've ever yep. seen. So much that I overbid for a jersey. <laughs> did and you get one? With I did go home. I, I'm going to be sent one. They have to ship them, actually. Sure. It's through MILB. It's not through the team. Yeah. Um, Ask them what happened. What happened? I would love to hear the story. <laughs> Can you please uh, it's get a com- into the It's story? a combination of two things. So... First and foremost, uh, it is supposed to be all player worn. Sure. So, the Brewers' top pitching prospect is a six foot eight dude named Jacob Mizorowski. Dude throws a hundred. He's twenty two nice. years old. Huge dude. Very lanky. Kind of looks he, like he'd be a good Horizon League basketball player. He didn't sure. look that big when we went and seen him the last time. But when un- you see him until, on the mound, yeah, until he got on the mound. Um, so Jacob Mizorowski. Uh, had a very brief stint with the Tim Rattlers, and that's a very important detail to this. Sure. Because he started the year in low A. He got called up to high A with the Tim Rattlers. Okay. And about a week into the auction, he got called up to double A. So okay. he's making his way towards the major league yep. roster. He's two stops away now. So that's a very important detail to this. <laughs> so the MILB website, it's MILB auctions, it's all through minor league baseball, yeah. um, had all the jerseys up for probably about a week and change. And as you're bidding, they have the different player that is assigned to them. They also have some extra ones. You know, in the event of like a blood gets on one, so a yeah. player yep. has like a backup. Or just so they can get a couple extra ones for fans who want to bid on a mm-hmm. like official jersey as opposed to a replica. So going up to the thing, I knew that he had gotten called up last week. But I didn't, they still had it listed under him. So sure. I was curious, you know, usually they're not signed. But I figure, you know, if that's the case, with it having his name still on it, that they're going to have it signed or something, you know, yeah. just yep. to, you know, to represent it. And yes, technically it was player-worn because it was for promos and stuff. Yep. It wasn't in the game. So on Sunday, them sons of bitches <laughs> at MILB went and changed it from Jacob Mizorowski, number 25, to... Shantyman number 25, kind of like the old NCAA oh, football stuff. Yep. But the problem became, once bids were coming in, it was this like aggressively high bid 
for a non-assigned jersey at that point, so no one was going to bid on it. Right. Until my dumbass went out on Sunday and fat-thumbed it. Instead of typing in 150, I typed in 180. <laughs> so I raised it by $30 myself. But I am going home with the Shantyman jersey that was assigned at one point and in promos on Jacob Mizrowski. Can we talk to the Tim Brattlers about maybe getting uh, the name put back on? Well, the, the names actually weren't on the jersey, yeah. so it's more like you, you just kind of got to know. But it's more the principle of the thing. I do have an email out to the Tim Brattlers, so <laughs> Tim Brattlers, if you are listening, big fan. I'm not going anywhere. I'm just a little annoyed. <laughs> And that was going to be my nuggie this week, but I found a different one. So and Shauna doesn't not know about. No, this. she does. She does. Oh, she that's does why now. That's why I was about to say. Okay. We just put it this on would the podcast. Not be, this would not be podcast if it was not. <laughs> yes, it would. Talk. It would have got brought. I have never overbid on a jersey before. <laughs> never uh, once. I have never once done that. I can genuinely say that I think that the reason it was okay is because I did not spend as much as you did on that game. <laughs> <laughs> So you I know, got that going for me. The intrusive, the intrusive thoughts when every once in a while. You know, I'm blaming Miller Light and Tom working on the patio this weekend with him. <laughs> <laughs> Tom just did not want to hit that five. It went to the eight right below. Because it might, you know, when you go, cause it, you know how sometimes like when you, you're typing on your phone, sometimes it's got the keyboard the long way. Yeah. Other times it's got like the number pad. It had the number pad. So at least I had that going for me. I wasn't like, you know, yeah. way off. But, yeah, I raised my own. Do you bid. need someone to frame that up for you? I might. Okay. I know a guy. I, I too know a guy. I'm sure it's the same person. Maybe. And it also may be the namesake of our studio. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Who knows? Good promotional. <laughs> um, but, yes, I did go. Well, I didn't go home with it. It's being shipped to me. But I went home with the jersey. That They're pretty sweet, though. They are really cool. It's, it's, it's a lot cooler than I thought they were going to be. Oh, absolutely. So, when I saw them... Saturday night, I'm like, I need one of these. And then when I saw my bid Sunday, like, I guess I'm going to get this one. But I was kind of hoping somebody was going to swoop in, like, last minute because they actually close at two different stints. They close one at 7, one at 7.30. So I was kind of hoping someone was going to get that one last-minute bid. I could get off the hook on that one and actually go get an actual player-used one from the game. But just, it was not just meant to be. you just got to wait for a signing. Yeah, and that, I, that'd be the cool thing to do is just get a signing or get them to sign in at some point. That's that's the goal here. That's become the new goal. So, uh, but yes, there is a jersey. It will be in my office here at some point. So, uh, that is a great route for Sean. Uh, I will also just kind of mention that the game itself was fun. Those are pretty sweet. I just looked them up. Um, game itself was fun. Yes, the Tim Rattlers did lose the actual Shanty Men game. A little bit of a unique thing they had. So, the middle of the ninth inning got got uh, rained out on Friday night. So before they started the actual Saturday game, the Friday night game had to finish. So they started at the bottom of the ninth, and the Timberlanders walked it off in the bottom of the tenth, uh, which was an odd, like, in a two-inning game. Very odd, yeah. But they So they got the win the first game, lost the second game that we got to. So uh, all positives all around. So with that in mind, with the positives do come the negatives. And Ramsey, I'm not going to let you go off on whatever promo you're going to go off on here because I don't, I don't know if it's positive or negative. But if you've got a Tyler Hero Noogie of the Week for us or Tyler Hero Noogie of the last nine months, by all means, I'm all ears. You know, you might be it for how cool the Timberlander stuff is. Why am I? You never told this? me. 
I have Mr. Timber Rattler no, himself. No, 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 no. I am no. sitting here scrolling through their recent jerseys, and they are sweet. And you never said anything. I have been nothing but an advocate for the Timber Rattlers. Yeah, but you've never said, hey, Rams, you got to go check out their. You know, you, I have said extensively. No, because you you're never like, did. Ooh, Skycart merch. No, no, no. Timber <laughs> Rattlers merch. I've no, said this. You've never said I have that. said this for over a year. Nope. Yep. I bought, I bought a shirt on Saturday. I was that, about to say, that, some of these are dope. That says what happens in the shanty stays in the shanty. <laughs> they had one that's, or they, and they still have it in the team store, but it's got one that says, um, was it Chuck and Spears drinking beers? Yeah, I saw that no. shirt. So Chuck, I don't, I don't want to hear it. I do not want to hear it. You never told me how cool they were. I have definitely told you no, extensively. You, I'm sure we can go through these podcasts. Find records. it. Find it and post for people. <laughs> I, I will sh- have to have some free time that I do not have. But Shauna bought one too, didn't she? She has one that says Big Fish Energy. That's awesome. Which is like the greatest shirt for yeah. the upcoming year and change. Right. Um, actually, less than a year at this point. So she's got that Big Fish Energy. Because, you know, I'm going to Because you're a big fish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyway, so is that your noogie? Your, your long-awaited 10-month return, you're going to give me a noogie for something I've definitely told you. No, it's going to be Aaron Rodgers. Ooh. Ooh. What a pretentious douche. I did not expect this. Hold on. Hold on. We got, before we get into this, is this the promo moment? Or is that coming later? Well, no, I just got some other stuff to say. You know, okay, it wasn't okay. like I had to come on here to say just like I, I thought you had like a pipe bomb <laughs> promo here. No, for I am we pissed just off. Let Aaron you go Rogers. for ten minutes. He <laughs> took what a thirty-five million dollar cap hit and just basically just wiped it off the table. He's going to pay eight million dollars next year, and then all he did was bitch and complain that Green Bay couldn't bring people in to Green Bay, and then goes to the Jets and takes a massive cap or cap cut. I guess that is pretty what a douche. I'm curious on. And I'm not going to defend him on this because I, I, the optics of it are awful. You're not going to defend Aaron. What Rogers? I am going to say is I am curious on if this was something his agent is doing for the publicity, or what the hell was going on in the Packers front office because it was the same situation. You know, if you look at how the Packers give out money. Yep. And I'm glad you brought this up because I had some a couple things to say on this too, because it was I didn't even think about this until. Last week, when I when he the the pay cut was announced, I know Devonte Adams took less money to be here. Like right. we offered him more money than he was offered by the Raiders, which he's already pissed off at. Yep, and he took less money to go there than be here. Throughout, if you look back, probably the last, well, let's even use the Brett Favre era, the last fifteen years of Brett Favre being gone. Yep, for the amount of guys that were. Let go because they were going to be chasing a paycheck. Mm-hmm. You know, get rid of them a year early instead of a year late. And then you also look at the guys who they probably they definitely overpaid Kevin King. I'm not. I'm going to go back on that one. <laughs> Tyler Davis is on this roster for some ungodforsaken reason. And granted, he's only on like a vet minimum deal, but still, that's still a couple hundred thousand that did not have to go yep. to that spot. So when you look at it that way, and you kind of put this in thought of okay, you know, we overpaid. David Bakhtiari, but at the time he was healthy. We probably overpaid Aaron Jones, but he's taken pay cuts along the way. So I guess I don't, it's kind of one of those things of, did Rodgers ever offer, which at times he did, to get under the cap, you know, the last couple of years here. But is it something, is it his agent who let him down? Is it the no. front office that just never had thought of it? You know, I, I'm just curious on where the actual optics of it are. 
what the conversations on that would have been. Because he has always been very vocal about getting talented. And the the appearance was that for so long, it's like, okay, well, if you're going to be vocal and pissed off, and you're not taking this Tom Brady-esque pay cuts, what the hell are you bitching about? Well, so that's my second part of the noogie. I also think Green Bay is front office, which I've not been a fan of for a very long time, also mismanaged it. 100%. So I think that one thing that Aaron kind of showed you now that he's been in New York is that he's willing to take a pay cut, which if he was willing to or not willing to when he was here in Green Bay, that's not here nor there. Like if he was willing to, great, and Green Bay just wanted to pay him the money for whatever reason, doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but could be it could have happened, right? Sure. Or Aaron was just being a douche and been like, you know, I'm going to take all the money, and then I'm going to complain that I don't have talent coming in. Sure. Which sounds more reasonable, but that's whatever. But the fact that Green Bay was never willing to get him help, and I know people are going to always say, well, he had Aaron Jones. Yeah, sure. And that he has some... He had Devontae. He had... Some third-string receivers. Let's be honest. Like, Devontae was there. Outside of Devontae, it's been a lot of late-round... Depending on how you feel about Christian Watson currently, and... Even I mean, for what it, his greatness that he had here, and I'm not going to, this isn't a knock on the guy, but Jordy Nelson was a second-round pick who we saw did not succeed in Oakland when he went. Yeah, he was also over the hill at that point. Right? Sure. So I'm not saying that it's all Green Bay. I'm not saying it's all Aaron Rodgers, but I'm saying between the two of them, they couldn't get it worked out. Whereas if it's Goody, hey, get him a receiver. Maybe his one takes some less money. Or if it's Aaron, hey, be willing to give the money back, maybe we can get you some receivers in. At least have the conversation, which yeah. I'm, I am willing to bet the conversation never happened. No. And for what it's worth, I'd, I'd have to go back and look at the numbers. I know that he had a heavy cap, cap hit, but I know that his cap number was always lower than what his total dollar value was. Yeah. Which I think, just for average fan perspective, throws things off. Because even if you look at this last year, where they only had the rookie receivers and yep. Alan Lazard was their wide receiver one going into the year, which is a whole another shit show of a organizational thing. But when you look at it that way, and yes, everyone kept fixating on, oh, Aaron Rodgers is being a prima donna for this $50 million contract. We wasn't making that much in terms of cap hit where it mattered. So it also makes me wonder if Green Bay is not still, because Green Bay is still paying some of the salary, right? I believe they're I'd, paying I'd have him. to look at how it actually breaks down. I think he's still going to have somewhat of a dead cap hit this year because I think they restructured his contract for the trade, and then they restructured again. In some capacity I, for yeah, this most I, I recent I think it deal. was something like that. I think he has a $24 million cap hit in Green Bay this year. Yeah, 24, 25. I, I feel I think it's, it's, something, it's something along those lines. I think it is because it was to get off the books instead of having two years spread out. Right. It was a cap hit this year. So, I mean, if Green Bay is willing to pay me $24 million on the way out, I guess I'd be willing to take a $35 million right. pay cut. Right. You're paying $25 million to not play somewhere. Yeah. But still, I mean, the whole conversation just blows my mind that he complained for, what, 10 years, give or take, about not having talent in. He goes well, to a place with talent, and then all of a sudden he's willing to take a pay cut. So if it's that easy, then why do we not make moves to make it? Here's the easy? counter to that, though. And I'm not saying that you're wrong. The counter to it is it for a long time, was bitching about defense. The offense wasn't an issue until probably two years ago. Okay, regardless, he still could have took less money to get more defensive help. Right, and then at the time, may he rest in peace, Ted Thompson would use horrible draft picks on defense in the first couple rounds. They'd get a couple gems in the late rounds, and those gems would leave after three years because they didn't want to have to deal with the contract negotiation in the fourth year. Right. 
Well, I think there's something that we're going to see this year is that Aaron Rodgers covered a lot of warts, right? Oh, 100%. And so I think we can all agree that Jordan Love has looked pretty decent in the training camp footage we've all seen, right? Nope. It has gotten better and better every day. He's throwing well. It, it looks like he is competent and knows what he's doing. So, I mean, you can give him credit there. But on the other hand, we're going right down the same road, right? And it's just baffling to me that we just don't like, do the Packers not look around the league and realize what wins football games in 2023? Like, you look around the league, and it's a quarterback on a team-friendly deal, a really good left tackle, and decent weapons on the outside. That's what wins in 23. And it's been that way for about five, six years now. Which you could argue, not saying that this is going to happen in Green Bay, but you could argue that maybe Green Bay finally did see the writing on the wall and that's the direction they're going for this season. Not saying it's going to happen. Sure, but we still didn't draft a offensive weapon in the first round, right? Right. Once again. And, you know, it's funny that people always go, well, it's the NFL and you can find gems everywhere, which is true. However, if you look at, like, these all-NFL teams and you look at a lot of these, like, pre-Pro Bowl rosters, like the initial guys that selected, I believe on... The all-NFL team last year, there was one guy that wasn't drafted in the first round. So first-round talent wins. Like, talent doesn't get overlooked in the NFL. Talent, sure. like, you get talent, but your high-end starters don't get overlooked. But yet we always draft project players and stuff that would I would always claim isn't necessarily a super big need. And then we wonder why we lose in a shootout to Tom Brady. Sure. Like, that's what happens. Like, we wonder why. It's pretty obvious. We can't gain any yard in San Francisco. Yeah, well, the only receiver that could catch a ball was triple covered. Right, right. So it's just, it blows my mind. I guess, so that's my nookies. I think the Green Bay front office and Aaron Rodgers all fall into one nookie. Fair enough. Sean, what do you got for us? To be honest, I don't, I don't really have much. All right. I don't think I've, I got anything. I've got some small town racetrack drama. Ooh. That I came across oh, on yeah. Facebook, we, and I wanted we, to get your opinion could, on this. We could go on this. I, okay, so I'm going to present this scenario because I, I think Sean's going to know more about this than I do. Kinda, we were talking about it today at work. Okay, so, and I'm not I'm not picking a side because I don't really know all the details. Right. So Sean, if you've got more info, maybe right. swing me one way or the other here. So, in Shano at the Shano Racetrack, Shano International Speedway, the world's fastest half mile, whatever the hell they call it. Um, <laughs> I, I shit you not. Like that's like their line, their tagline. Oh, that's ridiculous. Um, so the world's fastest half mile, Shano Speedway. Uh, so they just took Slinger's motto, yeah, and just adjusted much. it a pretty little much, bit. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, so Shano Speedway, for the better part of what 20, 25 years, they've had a video service, a video person come yep. in, do their like filming for the races and. Make things nice for the drivers and their families and stuff. Um, and apparently, and I don't know what was said, so I'm not going to say what was said because I don't know. But something this guy said, it was Mike's video. He said something or posted something that went against the Shano Agricultural Society, which is like the presenting sponsor of the, the fairgrounds and the track. It, it's pretty much just the fair or the track is. The fairgrounds, so it's all kind of one little, sure, one little organization or whatever the heck you want to call it. And that organization took an issue with Mike's video, 
and uh, booted him from the track and said, you are no longer welcome here. We don't want you spotlighting our drivers. You, you know, if you come, you're going to be arrested for trespassing. Yep. Um, this whole thing, which I will be honest with you, I went to a race this year in Shano. It is not even remotely close to what it was five years ago, let alone 10, 15 years right. ago. So you're going to turn away the one guy making like publicity for you, I'm assuming for that, that cheap if not free. He does it for free. Does it for free. And then you wonder why your modified field, your sports mod, your late mod, you've got 10 cars in, less than that, for your feature every Saturday night. Why all of the drivers who are worth a damn are joining Dirt Kings and going on a little mini traveling tour around Northeast Wisconsin instead of coming to Shano every Saturday night like they used to. And you wonder why your attendance is down. You wonder why, you know, people aren't coming through the door the way they used to and people aren't getting into racing because, you know, the family doesn't want to do it and it's so much time on the road for a lot of these people. You wonder why. And then the audacity, and I think this is the funniest part, Shano Speedway goes and does this whole Facebook post about this guy being, you know, bad for the brand of Shano Agricultural Society and does not allow comments on it. I think that was the worst part of it because then you have Mike's video with the letter that he got from Shano Speedway and allowing open discussion and then this other governing board not. Am I missing anything, or you got any other so to add on to it? Pretty, pretty much what it started from was there were guys that were, the car's got to be a certain weight, everything like that, one, two, race, everything like that. And there were guys that were weighing up with their scales at home, and they were weighing up perfect, and they would go to the track, and they'd be 300 pounds under. Not, like, 25 pounds, not anything like that. And then, so they would go around... And they'd be 100 pounds under. So they're saying that some of these guys, or the bigger guys, were getting better or just kind of wave through sure. on a lot of things. That they didn't get all the repercussions that... And he the, took video of them weighing and it being so far off of what the rules yes. were. So, and let me put a little context to that too. So when you weigh a race car, you have to have a certain weight to meet the spec of whatever class you want to race in. So let's say it's 2,300 pounds, right? Yep. So the difference between a 2,300-pound car and a 2,000-pound car is probably a second to a second and a half faster for the 2,000-pound car yep. versus the 2,300-pound car. So that's a huge deal when you start talking um, spec racing, which essentially, Shano is a spec race. Mm -hmm. So that's why whenever you go back and listen to the old NASCAR guys, they talk about like putting lead BB inside the frame rails and doing that kind of stuff. So that's kind of been a part of NAS or racing, racing. culture yep. as a whole. So if you were actually doing that, that is super shady right. and it would lead to some major issues. Yeah. So the guy, he filmed these scales being either the scale being off or these drivers just being, like you said, waved through yep. because they were the ones winning every week. And Sean did not like being called out no, on their tomfoolery. And this is a big deal at every level to the point where this last weekend's NASCAR Cup race at Richmond, yep. three drivers were sent to the back of the pack, including superstar Chase Elliott, and his crew chief was suspended for the race. 
So this isn't even just like little track stuff. This is across racing as a whole, because like you said, the competition and the things that's going on with it. And Shano decided instead of getting the free public, the little bit of free publicity that they got, to shut him out and no comments and threaten to bar other people from the racetrack who are in support of him. So that's my, my that's my noogie. So it makes Shano look really bad too in the long yeah. short of it. It oh, does because they're not. Because he's going to all these other, he's going to Seymour, he's going to Anago, Luxembourg, Luxembourg everything, and they're welcome, welcoming him yeah. with open arms just to get publicity out to all these speedways. It's like you're just hurting yourself here. And now on Saturday nights, instead of going to Shawn, he's going to go to 141. Right. Which was probably the better racetrack anyway. Oh, 100%. I'm not going to deny that at this point anyway. It was, but. It was just, it was Shawn was closer for him and that yeah. kind of stuff. And But yeah, that's how it. We were talking with Julie about this today. I was going to ask if Julie had opinions on yeah, this. Yeah, she she did. She's she's like Sean is a cousin of Shano Racetrack Hall of Fame Julie McDermott. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Sean. Yep. So she was she was saying, and just since what was that? When she got inducted was 2017, 2018, I think. 2017, 2018, because she raced Hall of Fame night, and she's like, it was totally different then compared to. 10 years before that, and she's like, it's totally different now. Just with everybody moving in, moving out, everything. Like I said, I went, we went, Sean and I went to a race about maybe, well, it was a month ago. It was on my birthday weekend, and it was night and day different as a fan, Yeah. let alone, I can't imagine what it was like for the drivers. Well, that's some of the other talk, though. That's the same conversation that's been happening across motorsports as a whole, is that it's so expensive to race now. Right. So especially if the Shano Agriculture Group isn't paying out, no one's going to show up. Yep. One of the races are figuratively rigged. Not saying that they are. Allegedly. Allegedly well, rigged. Well, I mean, Shano, if you're listening, then let's uh, get your scales measured. Well, I know a company that comes other, in and will do it. The other thing that it, racing's coming down to is it's a lot of whoever has the most money Yeah. for yep. a lot of things. You're not seeing these small guys that just – work in the garage well, for their dirt track. Ve- I'm saying, like, dirt track vehicles, all that kind of stuff. But that goes all the way up, too. Right, right. right? It, like, it does. Uh, Alan Quickies and Mark Martins of the yep. world, those guys don't exist anymore. So, like, back in the day, you could make a setup of a car better and test. Right. And you would be faster. Yep. Right? And you kind of still see that in, like, super late models, like Tomorrow's Race down in Kakana. Mm-hmm. Those guys test, and setups matter a whole lot. Now, and especially, and this is kind of one of the things that NASCAR has done a really poor job of, is you unload, you don't get to practice, you don't really have off-season testing anymore, and then you wonder why people can't pass. Right. You can't find that little bit of an edge anymore, and especially with all the spec parts and spec cars, which is all fine to keep costs down, but allegedly it's not really keeping costs yeah. down. So <laughs> it's just a really expensive sport that, like Eric said, if... Uh, shady businesses is going on. Right. People aren't going to want to race yeah. there. Yeah. Right. And then you're going to have less people in attendance because they're not bringing their family and friends. And Well, and especially if you were talking about two, Anna goes right around 141. Yeah. Um, Luxembourg, Seymour. Yeah. I mean, there's all sorts of tracks around the area, especially that you don't have to go to Shano anymore. Right. Mm-hmm. Shano used to be the big guy, and now it's now it's not. Yeah. So that, that was my nugget. I, I came That's across what, that story this morning, and... Yep. Could not ignore it, and I thought we needed to talk about I it. Totally, I totally forgot about that one. 
you should uh, tag Shano and tell him, let's get Valley Scale out there and uh, <laughs> let's measure them scales. I'll get right on that. Just tag him in this week's episode. All right. Hopefully, maybe I'll get banned <laughs> from the track, too. I like going there, though, but if I can find a different racetrack, I mean, maybe. I, I only like it for nostalgia. Yeah. Honestly, That's the only reason. From here, Seymour's probably closer. Or 141, 141. on Saturday nights. But the Shano County Fair and race car night is always a, it's a great afternoon. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, if, if, that, if they're willing to ban a small podcast that <laughs> 20, 30 people listen to a week, then by all means, I think some shady shit's going on. And if we're going to be the voice of that, it'd be worth we're, it. We're here to be the voice of the people. <laughs> we're here to give the people what they want. And someone needs to stand up to Shano. So get Valley Scale out there. Let's, put, let's do a Facebook Live. We I'll personally. Mike. We should get Mike's video. I will personally come <laughs> out and I'll Facebook Live it for the people. So let's, let's uh, come on, Shano. Be better. Right. That's pretty much what it is. All right. So Tyler here, No Give the Week, is in the books. Uh, with that, that leads us to, this would usually lead to our What's Weird Wisconsin Web Story of the Week. And honestly, not a great news week for fun news. Well, we could, we could use the Shano thing. I don't know if that's fun or wacky. It is pretty wacky, but... All right, well, we're counting that, too. <laughs> Noogie and wacky Wisconsin story of the week. I like it. Or did you have one? I didn't, no. Well, like I said, well, I really could not find one for the life of me, so... That's okay. We can do Shauna. All right, that leads us into our trip around the state of Wisconsin with Wisconsin sports. First off, I do want to start a little unusual here. Um, start off with... Uh, with Road America hosted the Xfinity race over the weekend. Which, by the way, they were saying had more people at the track on Saturday than... Or there's more people at the track this weekend than there was before Cup ran there. Really? So they said they had a massive turnout. I think we're still waiting on numbers. I was listening to Channel 90 on Sirius XM Radio this morning on the way into work. That is the NASCAR channel on Sirius XM Radio. And they, that's what they were saying was that I guess they had a massive turnout in Road America this past uh, Saturday. Well, having we didn't go to the race. We were in the area. We were down by Shauna's parents over the weekend. But um, being in the area, so for those of you who have been to Sheboygan. The well, Malibu of the Midwest? The, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Malibu oh, of the Midwest. Okay. Um, so Saturday morning, Shauna's parents had gone out to dinner with some, or to breakfast with some of their uh, friends leaving Sean and I to go to breakfast on our own. We went to Falls Cafe, just off of Highway 23 in Sheboygan Falls. Good old family restaurant. Uh, What'd you have? A three-meat, three-cheese omelet and toast. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Really good. Um, so we go in there, and when I tell you guys the difference in the disparity of the people that were there, first of all, the place was packed, so good for them. Good, good weekend for Falls Family Restaurant and Falls Cafe. But... One table had probably about 20 people, 20, 30 people at it. And I don't think not one of them has changed hairstyle since 1990, both men and women. Good. It's um, coming back. All had sprint car t-shirts on, mullets everywhere, both men and women. <laughs> <laughs> um, it looks like they were both, you know, they were, and I'm not stereotyping here, but I'm a stereotype. And I don't know any of these people, and I doubt they listen, but they are. Sorry, but uh, it looks like they were big fan. They were real, well, not big fans, but they were real pissed when NASCAR went from Winston to uh, the Nextel Cup. I'm still pissed about that, to be honest. <laughs> <with you. laughs> I don't blame you, but 
I think these guys took it personally. So you had that end of the spectrum, and then... Were they still smoking the Marlboros inside? Uh, I can confirm that they were not. Oh, big disappointment. Um, you know, honestly, it would have been so on brand. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that there was not an ashtray at that table, is, like you said, nothing should have disappointing, but also like 5% surprising. Um, so you have that end of the spectrum, but on the other end of the spectrum, there was actually one of the drivers was there. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, I have to look at who it was. It was somebody who did not fare very well in the race. Well, um, yeah, he's eating at a diner in Sheboygan Falls. Trying to find who it is. <laughs> I'll, I'll realize it as soon as I see the name. The What'd 43 you... car of Ryan Ellis. Did you go ask for an autograph? I did not. Well, that's just funny. Um, I was just done with my three cheese, three meat omelet. and. Where is uh, Ryan Ellis from? Ryan Ellis. I will get back to you in a second here on that because I have no idea. <laughs> he, drives a she- he drives a Chevy, the 43 Chevy. Here, let me, uh, I will do some research while you're telling your story. But So that was the two ends of the spectrum at uh, Falls Cafe. Or Falls Family Restaurant, whichever. I don't even know what the call name of it is. But Falls Family Restaurant's in the front of Falls. Well, I think they, there's more than one <laughs> Falls, Sean. Ryan Ellis Racing. Um, he is part. He drives the 43 Camaro for Alpha Prime Racing. He is from Torrance, California. Boo. And uh, he has competed in Cup Series and Craftsman Truck Series in the past. He did run a cool Jeff Gordon paint scheme in 2022. What do you got for it? Let's see. Nice. Oh, that is really cool. I like that. But uh, he does not have... His best finish in the Truck Series was 29th in 2015. His best finish in the Xfinity Series was 30th in 2016. He's a big Road America guy, though. His first race was the 2012 Sargento 200, and his most recent race was the 2023 Road America 180. It looks like he's a private chat, too. Really? Man, we should, we missed out. We should have been professional race car drivers. Yeah. I was thinking that, too, today. <laughs> There's no way that guy is, like, more talented than, you know, like, the general population. He gets to fly in a private jet. That is true. We we missed out. I don't think any of us are small enough to be drivers, though. We didn't I, have, like, Josh drive. I'm like Michael Waltrip size. We could fit. We yeah. could make I, the cars fit. I could. I wouldn't, but I'll, I'll crew chief. So I was actually <laughs> watching the Road America race on Saturday. It was embarrassing how bad of road course drivers that those top three were. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> Justin Allgaier, um, Sam Mayer, big Wisconsin guy, big win for him. And then I forget who the other guy was, some no name, but they overran like five of the twelve corners. Like <laughs> it, the fact that any one of them won should be an embarrassment to road course racing. And I don't say that very lightly. Like I've raced a lot of sim on Road America, <laughs> and I'm pretty sure you could throw me in the car and I wouldn't overrun the corners as bad as those. It was embarrassing, put it that way. Yeah, it was uh, Sam Mayer, Parker Kligerman, and Austin Hill, your top three. Well, so Justin Allgaier and insert no-name driver here, they all wrecked going into turn five. Sure. And Sam Mayer was the only one. Still overdrove the corner, like, horribly bad, but didn't overdrive as bad as the other two. 
So what do you think the issue is just with the road courses, com- just the drivers not being able to do that on the road courses, just not uh, coming up opinion, with that? Or? It's not their style of racing. Right. So there's, and you saw it with um, SVG a couple weeks ago in Chicago, where when you have a classically trained road course racer versus a traditional oval driver, the entry to corners are just so much different that if you miss by a little bit on an oval, yeah. you just go up a line and your time dips a fuzz, where if you miss in a road course, mm-hmm. you're losing, like, full seconds. Yep. So okay. I think it's just a lack of road course racers in NASCAR currently. And that's why you're seeing some of these um, F1 drivers and those guys come over right now. And, like, SVG is going to get a cup deal for next year. Um, you're seeing a lot of these guys come over. And with how many road courses there are now, they'll make the playoffs, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So that's what it is. I mean, it's just a lack of, like, the best road course racer in NASCAR isn't top 15 in the world, right. probably. Right. And that's just kind of the... I don't know. That's just, that's just what it is. It's just not their discipline. And it's not really what makes them their money. So it's really impressive to see someone like Kyle Larson, though, be really mm-hmm. good on road courses and then go run his dirt car. And right. then, so You can tell who the drivers are compared oh, to yeah. the, anything else. Yep. That, I was about to say that. You really look, you look at Kyle Larson. You look at Chase Elliott, for that matter. You look at Kyle Busch, just his domination across any car he steps into, whatever level, whatever... Yeah type of environment. You look at those guys, same thing that Jeff Gordon had, and really to the extent I think even I'd say Dale Earnhardt Jr. had, and guys long gone way before them. Yeah. Because you're kind of seeing that die out these days, where you've got guys, and this isn't a knock on him, but William Byron never raced dirt tracks, he never raced late mods or anything like that. He got really good at iRacing and turned it into a deal, which is awesome for him. And I think that speaks to kind of that same talent. But just, again, you don't see that, you know, homegrown dirt track to... It's just simply a diff- different discipline of racing. Like, continued speed through a corner is how Kyle Larson's really good. So if you watch Kyle Larson's, like, braking patterns, he doesn't over-brake the corner ever. He's really good and really smooth all the way through the corner. Whereas road course racing, where you make the most time up, is coming out of the corner. Right. And that's not necessarily how... NASCAR has ever ran. So a lot of NASCAR is early break and then extend over where road course racing is late breaking and then accelerating out of the corner. So when you just break it or break it down to the like bare minimum, that's your difference. In right. my opinion. It, it's not what it used to be. It's not, it's not like your dirt, dirt track guys coming up. And oh, absolutely. And that's, it's going sad. Through the ranks. I, I get it. I get that. That's just the way that the business has gone. It is a little sad, right? Well, and I'm going to get one more point before you make us move on. Um, <laughs> I forget who said it the other day, but they were talking about um, how much money it costs to race now, right? Yeah. And that's what the, I think it was like Mark Martin or someone said it, but they were talking about it costs so much money and the entry is so high that the best race car driver in America right now probably isn't driving race cars. Right. Like it's just so, the most talented driver. Mm-hmm is probably sitting on a couch somewhere saying, oh, I could do that. Like, that's that's where NASCAR has a major problem, and that's it's just not an obtainable thing to show up there anymore. Right. 
Yeah, absolutely. All right, next topic. Ramsey, you're probably going to hate this one, but we're on to the world of baseball. Or Sean, can, you got something. Can, can we do Dirt City? Yeah, if you got something, if you want to talk Dirt City, go for um, it. So Dirt City was in Lena this last, yeah, this last weekend, which is off-road trucks and everything that way. Was a very good turnout, from what awesome. I hear. So Holtra, Holtra Brothers Incorporated donated or put up ten thousand dollars to the winner of the Pro Fours. <laughs> so you're saying the winner of the Pro Fours made considerably more money than the Shano feature yes. winner. And I'm, and I'm <laughs> yeah, right. And probably got weighed properly. Yeah, probably. Right. Probably a bright right scale. And I'm pretty. Sh- I, I don't exactly know who it was, but I know one of the Holters. Johnny Holter, he's got a Pro Light, a Pro Four or Pro Two, and a Pro Four. Sure. Raced all three of them, and did fairly well, I guess. So nice. Shout out to another little dirt track and. Well, while we're talking small town racing, I guess we might as well get in WIR pitch as well that we will be at tomorrow. We will be there tomorrow. The Midwest ASA ARCA series and the ASA Stars and whatever, the, the Stars and Cars series, uh, combining for the annual Dixieland 250 brought, brought to you by Gandrude Automotive at WIR. Always a great time. Um, talented field once again. Time of Jeske. trying to find the entry list right now. I can give you a couple of them while, while you yeah, do Yeah, I'm going to see if I can find it. Um, I, obviously, all eyes, because this is essentially Time of Jeske's home race. Um He's a four- or five-time winner of this race. Uh, Carson Haasaver will be in back in it again. Uh, was it Luke Fenhaus, who won it a couple years ago, or two years ago when Ty wrecked? Johnny Stodder will be part of this race, as he always is. I'm trying to think of who else will be in this race. I saw the entry list, too, and that pisses me off. Um, I also just came across it not to... Oh, here we go. I got it. Don't you worry. So expected entry list, it'll be Luke Fenhaus, Johnny Sauter, John DeAngelis Jr., Paul Schaefer Jr., who is the, he's the one who won it a couple years ago, 2021 yep. champion. Uh, Derek Krause, Andy Monday, Bobby Kendall, Austin Nason, Gabe Summers. I'm going to butcher this one. Gio Ruggiero, Sammy Smith, Billy Van Meter, Levon Vandergeest, Bubba Pollard, Cole Butcher. Bubba Pollard's a big guy. Uh, Pete Vandermolen, John Eileen, Albert Francis, Tra- Trevor Vandermolen, Justin Mondike, Joseph Scholes, Brian Keski, Barrett Poemus, Ty Majeski, RJ Brown, and Harley Jankowski. This is your expected entry list? Sammy Smith's a big guy. Um, Bubba Pollard is probably one of the premier late model drivers in the country right now. So, what you're saying is it's not going to be easy for Ty Majeski to repeat. It probably will be because I think Ty Majeski is one of the most talented drivers in the country right now. But yes, I'd have to agree with that as well. But so that is your racing action that we are going to cover. So lots of local Wisconsin racing and also Shamal Racetrack. <laughs> All right, that brings us to the Milwaukee Brewers, <clears throat> which. Have made a couple moves in the last couple weeks or a couple days since we talked last week, Sean, um, leading up to the trade deadline taking place tomorrow at 5 p.m. And two moves made already. First move was made 
believe, Thursday of last week, getting Carlos Santana, the first baseman, uh, also acts as a DH, power hitter. Also, move made today for Mark Cano. Cano? Cano. Uh, outfielder from the Mets. I'm expecting probably one more bullpen arm in the next yeah, 24 hours, 20 hours room, at this point. Um, Brewers, a half game out of first place, just got done playing the Atlanta Braves, which, thank God we're done with them. Right. Um, played them the last two weekends, only took one game out of that. If you would have told me this last weekend, Sean, when we talked last week, Monday, that the Brewers would score 18 runs in a three-game set against Atlanta, I'd be feeling pretty good about that. But they gave up 29. Yep. So not real, a recipe for success. Real struggle. Uh, but I think that also just speaks to how good Atlanta is this year. They are yeah. a dangerous, deep team, 1-9. to nine. Great pitching staff. Um, while we're at it, new noogie as well. Uh, this just happened in the Brewer game. Angel Hernandez making his 2023 MLB debut for the season after a rehab assignment of, after an off-season surgery. And uh, umpiring second tonight for the Brewers and Nationals and missed an obvious outcome on a stolen base. So Ooh. peak Angel Hernandez, as always. Um, a couple other Brewers notes. We're not going to get into every game over the week and not really take a deep dive here. Um, I think we did that pretty extensive leading up to the deadline last week, Sean. But yep. um, like I said, I do expect maybe one or two more moves yet. Probably a bullpen arm in some capacity. In a sense, they almost do get almost brand new rotation just coming off injury list. Um, Brandon Woodruff will be making one more rehab start, which will be coming probably tomorrow or Wednesday. And then joining the team likely either over the weekend or early next week. So Brandon Woodruff, very close to returning. Uh, Wade Miley will be coming off the injured list ahead of his Wednesday start. So really only misses one start. Um, out of the all-star break, does not have to make a rehab stint because he just powered through it um, and got back real quick. And all things trending in the right direction for Aaron Ashby here to start pitching and making rehab stints as well. He's so. a stud, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, he was a stud in the minor league. Um, has struggled a little bit the big leagues, but... The potential is there, right. but your your big get is Brandon Woodruff. And he's um, a stud. He is yep. multiple time All Star, one of the Brewers' big three starting pitchers. Where, where did he play before Milwaukee? He didn't. He didn't. Oh, homegrown. Homegrown. Timber, Timber Rattlers. Oh, yeah, homegrown guy. <laughs> jersey too. He was there last Thursday. I did not. I do not have a jersey of him, yeah, but he does have a disappointing. Didn't go. He does have a bobblehead coming up on August thirteenth. So if you're a Timber Rattlers fan, also Brewers fan. Brandon Woodruff, Timber Rattlers, bobblehead, August 13th, Fox City Stadium. Are they wearing a cool jersey that night? No. Uh, I believe that's a Sunday, so actually I think it'll be a Brewer's Sunday. They're Brewer's oh, Sunday jerseys. So, kind of. Very cool. Um, but yeah, that's really the extent of the Brewer's stuff right now. Um, they are losing 2-1 to one right now to Washington. Gotta hope that you get kind of get right week this week after that Braves. We hope so. Washington's um, a good start, but... Well, see, you've got we'll see Washington here. for your next week before we record. You'll have three against Washington, four against Pittsburgh, and a three-game set next week against Colorado. So there's time to get right. Um, Brewers, like I said, already kind of buying at the deadline here, um, and it should make for an interesting time down the stretch as their their team gets healthier and healthier, and hopefully the bats also get healthy. And for so long they tread water and. 
able to get to this point within contention. Currently still would hold this playoff spot as a wild card team, so in a very good position as an organization all the way around. Uh, which leads us from baseball to baseball. Real quick look around the <laughs> Northwoods League, Ramsey. Ramsey, you're going to love this part. So I, I've loved the last two parts. So this is our uh, look around the Northwoods League, which is like the Green Bay Rockers and a whole bunch of Wisconsin teams. Are you ready? The I've the been Sky Carper in this. So. No, anxiously waiting. The Sky Carper in uh, oh, the other one. So that's right. This is just the name of these teams. Are you gonna like this? Yeah. So our scores and standings from the second half of the Northwoods League. We start in the Great Lakes Great Lakes East Division. The Kalamazoo Growlers at seventeen and seven. The Rockford Rivets at sixteen and ten. The Traverse City Pittsburghers at 13 and 12. The Battle Creek Battle Jacks at 13 and 13. The Kokomo Jackrabbits 10 and 16. And the only Wisconsin team in that one, Kenosha Kingfish at 9 and 18. I hate all of those names. <laughs> all right, just you wait, though, because now we're going to the Great Lakes West Division, which is all of our Wisconsin teams here. The Fond du Lac Dock Spiders. We're big on the Dock Spiders. Here. 14 and 11. Madison Mallards, 14-11. The Wisconsin Rapids Raptors, 12-11. The Green Bay Rockers, your first half Great Lakes West Division champions at 12-12. The Lakeshore Chinooks, 10-15. Wausau Woodchucks, 9-14. Those are better than the first half. <laughs> All right. Uh, in the Great Plains East, the Lacrosse Loggers at 20-4. The Waterloo Bucks, 18-7. The Duluth Huskies, 16-10. Eau Claire Express twelve and thirteen. The Rochester Honkers eleven and fourteen. And so the, there's hold on. This league has a Mallard team and a Honker team. Yes, they're a goose. I understand, but I'm saying, I just want to be very clear about that. It's not an owl. I, no, I understand. Um, and then the last team in that division is the Thunder Bay Border Cats at nine and seventeen. Okay, any one of these teams, you can get my contact information <laughs> from Eric. I can do better branding and marketing than whoever you have doing this right now. I want to say a, pot a potential candidate for Dumpster Fire of the Year is the Rochester Honkers because they have awful merch. For the yeah, coolest name yep. in this coolest league, name. awful merch. That's what I'm saying. So Rochester Honkers, if this happens to get to you, you give me a call. I'll do it for free. I will do your merch, and you just tell me what you want. I'll do it better than whatever you have doing it now. I'd probably agree with that. I think that's a great route for Wisconsin effort. Even if it's not Wisconsin's, Rochester will go across the border for this. I'm doing a lot of free promotion this week. So, Sean, I'll get back to me. I'll get Valley Scale up there, and we'll do a weigh on your scales. And then the honkers, the Rochester honkers. You let me know. Get a hold of me, and we'll, I'll make you a better T-shirt than you have now. All right. Sean, we're actually going to do this because I just want to get his reaction to the oh, league. So the, We never do the Great Plains West because there's not a Wisconsin team in it. But at this point, I feel like we have to. Yeah, we're already halfway in. All right, so the Wilmar Stingers at 16 and 8, oh. the St. Cloud Rocks ROX at 15 and 9. The so wait, there's a Rocks and a Rockers. Yes. Yeah, but the Rockers are like the band. Music. No, I understand. <laughs> <laughs> the Mankato Moondogs at 13 and 12, the, the Minnow Hot Tots 8 and 17, the Bismarck Lark 7 and 19, and the Minnesota Mud Puppies at Dismal 2 and 17 in the second half of the season. Did you say Hot Tots? I said Hot Tots. <laughs> The Minot Hot Tots. What is a Hot Tot? I don't know. I'm not sure I want to know. I would like to know. All right, I'll look yeah. it up. Anyway, so any of those teams, if you're also in the need for someone marketing, I'm better than whatever that is. 
like I said, the the uh, the gear of a lot of these teams is not good. Yeah. So I, I got all sort of excited when I heard the the Rochester hon- the honkers, and it all sucks. I can do better than whoever you have doing it currently. Fire them. I'll do it for free for the first section, and then we'll renegotiate a contract. So the, the Minot Hot Tots, it actually is a tater tot. No Looks way. Looks like wearing baseball. It has baseball seams <laughs> on the bottom. I, they better not have dropped the ball on this gear. And I'm guessing that they have. This would be the perfect merch for you. <laughs> Anyways. So anyone, I am disappointed. Anybody oh. from this league, you get a hold of me. I will come out. We'll do some actually decent merch, and I'll make it better than what we're doing now. I'm I am disappointed in some of this stuff. Fire your interns and get a hold of your boy because <laughs> I, I think you all are shit. I will say I think one of the best teams it has for marketing purposes is probably the Milwaukee Brewers AA affiliate, the Biloxi Shuckers. They have like a like a clam, but all their stuff is shuck yeah, shuck yeah. Um, anyway, so that is our look around the Northwoods League, uh, which takes us not a whole lot going on in in the NBA right now. Just kind of waiting for the world to drop on whatever the Dame Lillard to Miami trade is going to be. I got some stuff NBA topics if we want to. By uh, all means, Rams. This is what I mean. John. So first off, I think Eric, you're the one we've talked about this at length before, but the amount of money being spent in the NBA right now is insane, idiotic. Like, who did I see the other day that got $93 million or something that was like, you got to be kidding me. Like, this oh, is... Oh, it was um the Jalen Brown no, just got, got paid. Well, he, yeah, got, he got 305. Yeah, it, that is insane. He's not the best player on his team. Right. There's probably an argument to be made that he's not a top five player in the East. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's not I even think, close. I think that, yeah, you're talking about... He might that, not even be top 10 in the East. Yeah, and you're going to pay him $300 I don't think million. It's, I don't even think it's a discussion he's not top 10 in the East. You look <sighs> at... I mean, you could... Obviously, Giannis is up there. I'm not saying he's number yep. one. Giannis is up there. Jason Tatum is up there most of the time. Joel Embiid's up there most of the time. Uh, Jimmy Butler, I would say, is up there. So to put that, for instance, though, when LeBron went to Miami, he signed a... What was it? Th- Four-year... At is it one twenty or was no? It, it was like sixty. Yes. I think he was making like twenty one million a year. Was it, was it only that? And I think it was less than that. Actually, I think it was like nineteen. If someone wants to pull those numbers, but I believe, just how did we go from that to three hundred million dollars in? Well, here's here's one that was the big one around the Fourth of July when you and I last talked about this. Was it Leangelo Ball or Lamelo Ball? Whichever Lamello. one, whichever one plays for Charlotte. Just signed a $260 million five-year deal. The second greatest player of all time, Michael Jordan, over his 15-year career, made $93.6 million. And so, Incorrect, that's not inflation, but still. I'm going to say this, and we were talking about this off-air, but we're going to get into this conversation a little bit today, boys. Um, <laughs> Michael Jordan is not better than LeBron James. I don't care what you say. This I, is Sean's. This is Sean's battle. I'm not. I, I watched. I watched them back to back, and Mel watched. Okay, so Mel and I are sitting here. We're watching, and granted, I will give it this: we weren't watching like 92, 93, yeah. Michael Jordan. So it was. I watched pre that, and I watched post that. And Mel said it best. She goes, "I don't even realize Michael Jordan's on the floor. 
And I know that's going to go, oh my God, how could you even say that? Yeah, our listenership is going to drop off. That's I wish we were doing this. I wish we were doing this live because I would just love to see either comments because or just the click. So Mel has watched her fair share of basketball. And I, so it's a conversation of, it's not someone that doesn't know what she's looking for. Right. She simply said, I don't recognize that Michael Jordan is on the floor. She recognized Carl Malone before she recognized Michael <laughs> Jordan. That's and very telling. So, and what she said was, I remember watching LeBron. So, peak LeBron. So, let's, I, I would argue peak LeBron was like 2012 Miami LeBron. Right. She's like, I remember watching LeBron and be amazed at how athletic he was and how much better he was than everyone on the floor. She was watching 98 Jordan and she was like, he's good. He looks like another dude. And so, all of you people that are like, oh, Michael Jordan's so much better than LeBron. That is not factual. I can, and I'm not watching biasly. I'm I was watching. So I was expecting more too. And it's my it's a, to be honest, I think Kobe might have been better too. Ooh. And I'm not even a big Kobe Bryant fan. I don't think Kobe was. I don't think Kobe's a top five Laker of all time. But I think Kobe was more exciting to watch than Michael Jordan was. I will give you that. Kobe. I will give you the excitement. Everything that way. Kobe was one of those weird players who, at no point for most people, and I'm sure I mean, there's a very loyal contingency to Kobe Bryant, but for your average NBA fan who is not a Lakers fan, Kobe Bryant was never your favorite player. But we were talking about this before the show. We were talking about like making custom rosters on NBA 05 or whatever. He was on every single team. He was on every single created roster, whether you played like a three-on-three in different game modes. He was on those teams. He was like a top five player for most people. He was never that top one for most. Do you want a fun fact that I believe about Kobe? That I believe about Kobe Bryant? I would love to hear it. He was never the best player in the league at any point in his career. There was not a single point that Kobe Bryant was a number one player in the NBA. You wouldn't go late. Uh, no. So LeBron. So okay. Let me let me so, ask. Hold you up. This. Hold up. Okay. I'm I'm curious because I got so, questions too. Shaq was better. Every Laker team that they were on, Shaq was the better of the two players. So do you think without Kobe, Shaq would they would have still have the title? I don't think without Shaq they get there. I, I think I don't either. I think with Shaq they at least get to those championship games. I think so Kobe, I don't think I think Shaq was considerably the better player between the mm-hmm. two. I think Tim Duncan was oh. a better player for the entire stretch that Kobe was in the NBA. So I, when I say that, Tim Duncan was severely underrated. That and I totally agree. So I was also watching um, film of that 2014 Spurs team. Okay. So this is end of the road Tim Duncan, mm-hmm. like way Tony past Parker, Manu, way past the prime. I would say that Tim Duncan was still probably the second or third best player on the floor for that Miami series. Yep. I'd, I'd agree with and that. And that was 30. That was 37 year old Tim Duncan. So I think Tim Duncan was better for his entire career. So between Shaq, Tim Duncan, and then LeBron really takes or really gets his stride, what, 2009, 10? I would say 07. That that first finals appearance, 07. So I think that. Dwight Howard briefly in there, too. Yep. I would say for Kobe's entire career, he was never the best player in the NBA. That's, That's accurate. I don't think he was top three. I would point. say there might be a window from like 02 to 05 
where he might have been top three or top five. Maybe. That's peak, that's peak Jason Kidd. That's peak Allen Iverson. That is peak that's Tim peak Duncan. Allen. That's coming on start of peak Dirk Nowinski. Tracy McGrady. Like Tracy McGrady. Yeah. I know. I had that revelation the other day. I'm like, you know what? I, and I say this, and it's very morbid, but I think in death, Kobe has become more popular than Kobe ever was when he was alive. Probably. And I would I would challenge that. Just I would say even in retirement. I, yeah. Before he okay. passed away, I would yep. still... We have a huge nostalgia of rose-colored glasses on Kobe's career. Yes. Which, and it's not saying that he wasn't great. He was great at any given time. Like I said, like I said you look back, if I could somehow find my 2000, NBA Live 2005 like PlayStation 2 memory card, he was a must-have on any custom roster. Anytime that you would like, you know, you'd tr- play against your buddies, you'd build like an all-team versus an yeah. all-team, he was like probably your second pick or yeah. third pick. On those rosters, he was a must-have. He was your probably fourth favorite player at the time of anybody, yeah, but probably. he was still up there. But retirement made him look a lot better when you look back. Yeah. So it wasn't until it wasn't in the moment. It was you appreciated the greatness, but it wasn't in the moment of fandom. So regardless, so getting back to the main topic was that go watch Michael Jordan tape and go watch Pete LeBron tape. There's a staggering difference. I, I will agree with you on some things, but I, I don't know. So I Michael, think Michael Jordan's just just he was first, right? That's that's that's, that's that, what he that, was. That's what it is. Well, and I think people. So we're talking about the nostalgia with Kobe, and the, the legend of Kobe Bryant was always better than the actual player was. Right. I think the legend of Michael Jordan at this point has become bigger than Michael Jordan ever was. Because, and you could honestly say that he got some pretty decent breaks in his career on retirements and Larry Bird injuring his back doing his driveway and Magic Johnson catching AIDS. And, <laughs> like, I say that seriously. I was seriously. curious how you were going to say that. That's all I'm... <laughs> getting, I knew it was getting, coming. I was just curious on how you were going to phrase it. You phrased it exactly how I wanted you to. So... But you, I, you talk about early Michael Jordan's career. So those fir- that first three-peat. Yeah. He got pretty lucky that the Pistons at that point aged out. Yeah. That Bird and Magic were kind of on the outs. And that was before Hakeem Olajuwon really started to come on strong. And that was before Clyde Drexler left Portland and ended up in Houston. And then you also had the East, which was fairly weak at that point that people don't want to mention because it looks bad, but you had a Miami team that couldn't shoot. You had a Knicks team that couldn't shoot. Boston was terrible after the retirement of Bird. So your top of the East was pretty lackluster. What, some of those best teams he faced was probably those Cavs teams in the early 90s? That checks out. So, but then you start looking at it, and you start looking at it as a serious serious lens, what break did LeBron ever get? Like, where was that break point that you saw a team age out and that really benefited LeBron? 2012 was really the, about it. But yeah, even when, that's not... I yeah, mean, you'd go with Tim Duncan when he aged out. But even they beat them in 2014. Yeah, they beat them in right? 2014. So you really look at... Or probably the best luck that he had was the fact that that 2012 Thunder team beat the Spurs. They beat everybody, got to the finals before KD was KD, yep. before Russ was, well, 
he never Ross. was that good. But and before James Harden really hit his stride, they caught them at the right time to play the finals against them, mm-hmm. and were pissed off from the year before. No, I was watching that. Like I said, the two thousand it was two thousand nine, two thousand ten game against Orlando Magic, and LeBron's second best player was Mo Williams. Oh, it was incredible how bad those caps were. No, but that was a sixty-seven win team. Right, they won sixty-seven games. They lost two games at home. You know, I I think LeBron and two, like you know, we look back at at Jordan and he becomes invincible person. We look back at Kobe and becomes a legendary status. We are still too close to LeBron's peak in his career where we aren't going to appreciate the greatness that he was, especially from when you look at like that 07 to probably about 2017, 2018, how great he was yeah. in that window. And even the 2020 bubble, you look at it, call it what it was. But the fact that a veteran team went into that bubble when that was 100% designed for teams like Miami who were very young, had a bunch of guys who just got off of college in the AAU circuit, and they went in, hung with the young bucks, and were able to win a championship out of it. And really never got challenged all that much. There was one game. because They won that in six, I think. Or maybe even won it in five. I think they won it in six. But, but there was one game that Miami actually kind of gave them a run. And there was a game or two that Denver gave them a run. Right. In the bubble. But... I don't know. That was my. Um, that's what I've been watching lately. Has been these hardwood classics, and it's it's funny because it seemed to be alternating Michael Jordan and LeBron games. So, if you have NBA TV, turn it on, and you'll see pretty quick what I'm talking about. If you want to admit it or not, that's another conversation. Most people won't, and that's and that's fine. But LeBron might not be a better winning basketball player. I think that's a fair assessment of the mm-hmm. situation. But LeBron, as a whole, is a better basketball player than Michael Jordan was. I would agree with that. Sean's your one you got to convince. He looks pretty convinced at this point. I'm not a. I'm really not a LeBron hater. I know you just do it to piss me I off. I just but... do it to piss you off. So, <laughs> but I think that's I more, think there's a so... difference. There's a difference at, at this point, in 2023. We're almost done with 2023. We're over halfway. Mm-hmm. The amount of LeBron haters, it is so obvious that you are not going to be objective. Not you, but that people who are LeBron haters have no interest in being objective, have no interest in looking at anything other than the bottom of Jordan's balls. Okay, so here's here's the other thing that I'm coming up with here. Um, I don't think Michael Jordan could do it, do what he did in the 90s with social media, everything that he was doing. Oh, hell no. <laughs> now compared to what, anything that way. I would love. The, ga- the gambling, everything. I would love to see the player. Cause I, th- I think he'd still be great. I think he'd be very good. I think Jordan now in this NBA, the way he played, yeah. he'd be very good. But at the same time, because everyone, you know, LeBron does act up for refs. I'm not going to say he doesn't, but that's part of the league. Jordan did it. Every superstar does it to their own extent. People don't realize that LeBron's peak in Miami, he was 6'8", 280 coming down the lane. He would have had no issue with like, the bad boy Pistons. Well, and he ran a 4 five forty. Like, it's right. not – that's what – and that was the shock, most shocking point to me is – so I'm watching this 90s Bulls team. So 90 – or 89 and 98. Yep. How much slower they all were. And then when you turn LeBron on and you watch how 
fast he moves side to side is incredible. Right. How good of an athlete he was. And that's not to take away from Michael Jordan, because I think Michael Jordan was really talented. I just think that Michael Jordan got he got a couple breaks on timing. And I think he also got a couple breaks when Scottie Pippen came through. Yeah, he did. Well, and and that's I think the most interesting thing is people always look to like the you know LeBron needed help. He got Dwayne Wade, who probably is the best player he's played with aside from maybe Anthony Davis, but at least Dwayne Wade was healthy ish. Yeah. So when he, that's the best player he played alongside, I mean you can point to a four and six finals record all you want. I don't care. When you look at when you're starting five around him, you had like I said, you had second leading score with Mo Williams on one of those. Another one he had Mike Bibby, I'm pretty sure he was a teammate for one of his Cavs runs. Old Shaq, Antoine Jameson. James Jones. Which, which by the way, just real quick, I've got to sneak Golskis. this in here. Happy retirement, Udonis Haslam, finally. Yeah. <laughs> um but also just Matthew Dellavedova was a starting point guard on that 2015 NBA Finals. When Kyrie was injured and where Kevin Love LeBron was injured. probably should have been Finals MVP in, in the in the loss. Well, I mean, so if you look at LeBron's Finals conversation, right? The 07, you can't really blame him for the 07 loss. No. That was... That was even a boy if, amongst men. Yeah, and even if you do, that's fine. Blame him. But he lost to, what, three Hall of Famers at that point? Mm-hmm. In their peak. In their peak. So you, uh, I don't count the 07. 11 or 10-11, that was on LeBron. He should have. They should have took the Mavs out. Yeah. They just didn't. But that, then was, he had, that was prime Dirk. Even oh so, God. though, they should have probably they, put yes, them away. They should have. This roster, I, I just pulled it up because I, I couldn't remember how bad it was. That 2006-2007 Cavs roster, are you guys ready for this? You had Shannon Brown from Michigan State, who at the time was 21. Daniel Gibson, who I've never heard of. Drew Gooden. Ooby Gibson. Thank you. Drew Gooden at 25. Larry Hughes at 28. Uh, Ilagoskis at 31. LeBron James, Damon Jones, Dwayne Jones, Donvell Marshall, Ira Newble, Sasha Pavlovich. Thank you. Scott Power, Eric Snow, who was way over the hill at that point, was a fourth fiddle to Allen Iverson in the 2001 finals. Yeah. Anderson Verjao and David Wesley. That is that roster. David Wesley was 36 years old out of Baylor. That was your one of your few point guards. So that's what, yeah, yes. And you wonder why he wanted to leave Cleveland. LeBron? <laughs> so no, I don't. I wonder why. Here's your playoff stats from that. That's um, that whole playoff. And LeBron would have been twenty-two. LeBron at the time, or twenty-three. I think his birthday. Twenty-two years old. So LeBron James, at twenty-two years old, led that Cavs team with twenty-five point one points per game, eight rebounds, eight assists, one point seven steals, and half a block. The next closest score to him, and granted, different NBA era, was Ilagauskas at twelve point six. So double. Double his the next highest score. Drew Gooden chipped in 11.4. Larry Hughes with 11.3. Uh, Sasha Pavlovich at 9.2. Daniel Gibson, 8.2. Anderson Verge out, 6. Donovan Marshall, 3.5. Eric Snow, 1.7. Uh, Damon Jones, 2.4. Uh, 
and zero points per game from Shannon Brown, Ira Newby, and Scott Pollard. Yeah, I'm going to blame that final loss on him. Wow. That's insane. Like, that is that is just mind-numbingly stupid on how bad that roster was around 22-year-old LeBron James. That was a finals team. That was so. a finals team. Not a finals winner, as we know. And did they get swept in that finals, I too? So. I they got they, their I... ass kicked in that finals. They lost. Who, who would have been the championship game for the San Antonio? No, no, no. The Eastern Conference Championship. Would that have been the, the conference finals of the, the Cavs and Pistons? Uh, Pistons. It was the Pistons. The yeah. tail end of that yeah. Pistons run of like Rip Hamilton, Ben John, Wallace, Chauncey Billups, Rasheed Wallace, Rasheed mm-hmm. Wallace. Which, by the way, just real quick, while we're talking Pistons, we got wrestling on TV. Cody, remember dashing Cody Rhodes, and he had the the yeah. plastic mask. Same doctor as Rip Hamilton. Really got that from him. <laughs> Fun fact: New New Cody Rhodes documentary on <laughs> Peacock. Be be sure to check that out. Anyway, um, real quick. So I guess that's really our look around um, the Brewers and how we went to the Bucks. We went to the Bucks. Yeah, but, we went to the Bucks. Um, just real quick before we jump into the Packers, I kind of want to talk some WWE Summer Slams because I haven't talked wrestling with Ramsey, and really we haven't talked wrestling here either in a while. Other than RPW Summer Slam this weekend, Ramsey, have you? What do you got for wrestling on on Ramsey's mind here the last? I don't have any. Really? But I've been watching Harbaugh Classics. <laughs> <laughs> you got the card pulled up? I'm going to pull up right now. Well, I know. So the, the big match, and I guess really the, the only WWE storyline I think that's really, really mattered. Because it'll, well, let's start with this. Ricochet Logan Paul is going to be great. Right. It's going to be high-flying spot fest just like AEW, but it's going to be fun. Um, I believe okay, we'll so get... Are we going from bottom up? Whatever you want to do. Whatever you got for us. Uh, so Ronda Rousey, Shanna Baszler. Singles, yeah. whatever. Yep. It's Gunther, good. Kofi Kingston, Giovanni, and Drew McIntyre. Oh, for IC title? The IC okay. title match. I didn't so, realize Kofi was going to be in there. But... Oh, no, not Kofi. I'm sorry. Oh. No, that's Gunther's manager. Uh, Ludwig... Yeah. Sure. Something German. So Gunther's going to retain, right? Yeah. Yeah, he's I pretty mean, close to the Intercontinental Championship record. Too. Gun- Gunther's not going to lose until he wins the big title. Yeah. And then so you've got Ricochet, Logan Paul. Which will be great. Should I think that'll a- be a fun match. It won't be, you know, an all. It probably won't be like an all time five star classic, but it'll be great to watch. And then we hope. We n- hope. next on your card is Roman Reigns. Uh, and Solo Sokoga versus and Jey Uso, mm-hmm. which are we all over the whole Roman Reigns storyline at this point? Or I think there is one more ta- this this last match. I think is the, depending on how they book this, will either extend how I think about it or will completely kill it. For so, me. in my opinion, if you want to be honest about um, where we're at with Roman Reigns at this point, Cody Rhodes should have took the belt off of him at. WrestleMania. Well, let's let's look at this first. I want I want to say, Cody Rhodes should have. And Sami Zayn had the you know he had the fan momentum. I think it was the right choice not to put it on him in an elimination chamber, but he was more over than most people have been. Yes. Cody Rhodes, without a doubt, should have taken it at Mania. I and I understand they're going to do the storyline that he's going to take it off him at Mania next year, right? Or this coming year, which yep. is fine. And if that's what you want to do, that's fine. But I think you could have done. 
this head of the table slash Uso storyline. Without a belt. Without a belt. I think Roman Reigns has got to the point now where he's probably bigger than the championship. Kind of like I think I would mean more without a belt. I think if if, if they would have big. done Jay turning on him one event earlier, yeah, and had that been what costed him the title, I think that means more. Well, I think Cody should have took it off him clean. Sure, but regardless, I get what they're trying to do. So now you get Cody and Lesnar. So mm-hmm. Cody Lesnar is going to main event this week at SummerSlam, I, I believe. I call main event, yeah. I think, or open. It's going to be one of the two. Yeah. And Cody will probably take out Lesnar and then move on to wherever's next. Right? He'll get his third, He'll get his rubber match win because it'll it's one to one right now. He'll yep. get his rubber match win and call it. Or or they'll just screw Cody and keep going, be really keep going, keep going with, with the hard time storyline. Right. Which th- he's going to be in the hard time storyline all year, right? Because they're they're trying to bring back what. Vince did to Dusty back in yep. the day and everything that way. Well, and even if you watch the Mania match, Cody was referencing Dusty almost the entire mm-hmm. match. Yep. So I I understand, but That's a fun note on that too. But I'm not from the documentary talking about how for the long don't ruin the documentary for okay. us. I won't keep it out of that. So, but for someone who's kind of been watching wrestling from afar lately. I was in. I bought WrestleMania and I watched the Cody Rhodes match. It was the only match I watched on the card. If he would have took the title off Lesnar, I would probably still be watching Reigns because or Reigns, but they didn't do that. And oh, same. Lost. I have checked out com- almost completely since then because it's one of those things that it's kind of that storyline to me is kind of just played itself out already. It wrote itself, and they wasted it. Yes, right. I think they wasted the Sami Zayn thing too. Yep, they did. But See, I I will give them the benefit of the doubt on that one. Is I don't think it means as much if he wins it off Sammy. And I also, for the record, would say that Sammy fell into it. And yes, he was red hot, but I think for Sammy it was more about the chase than the title. Is it, isn't that the whole thing? Didn't didn't they do that with Kofi Kingston when he won the title? Well, that's exactly why though, because he got squashed in eight seconds by Brock Lesnar later. But even the Cody Rhodes storyline is about the chase, not about the title. Right. I suppose. But I'm saying that that's where you're going to lose fan base conversation. They they want Roman to be. They wanted, in my opinion, they wanted Roman to have the thousand day reign. Yep. They want him to pass Hulk Hogan for what is it, fourteen hundred and some odd days. That's that's what they want because I don't think there's going to be another title reign this long for 25, 30 years. Oh, hell no. Which, and that's fine, but... Because you look at, you know, Ramsey, you and I had this conversation probably... At this point, seven, eight years ago, we had this conversation, and one of the allures of, like, New Japan wrestling is they don't change heavyweight champions often. Yeah. And I get that because that makes that belt mean more. It's not like you're constantly changing hands with it. I get that. I respect that. But when you have it, you know, on one guy who never really was the it factor, and you know, you, I remember I came across a TikTok the other day about when Cena came back one of those times and he cut the promo saying, "They brought me in because you couldn't do your job," and that's been the whole case. You look at how many times have they brought Brock Lesnar back? How many times have they brought Goldberg back? How many times have they brought John Cena back? Yep. And in turn, kind of how many times, I mean, you bring Cody Rhodes back because Roman Reigns, yes, you had a red-hot storyline with the bloodline, you had great storytelling, but it comes to an end at some point, and you need a face to carry that title. Roman Reigns isn't a great speaker, he has a very limited moveset. 
I was supposed to say, I would, in my, and I know this is not necessarily the best opinion in the world, but I don't think Roman Reigns is all that interesting, period. Right. He's kind of a throwback wrestler to early 90s. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, there's a lot more interesting people in the world right now to watch other than Roman Reigns. Right. So I think WWE's seen a little bit of a decline in the last four since months. Roman's, well, since Roman's had the belt. And they wonder why their ratings are down. Well, it's because you've just kind of you've made it a point to make the fourteen hundred days and not get there organically, and mm-hmm. that's well, even for this weekend again with Jey Uso. And I know I don't you know they've kind of talked about, it, but they've kind of also avoided it. If you're talking credibility as a champion, which you know we know it's not actual fighting, it's mm-hmm. choreographed, whatever. Yeah. But yeah, sorry, Sean. <laughs> but if you're talking about the credibility of Roman Reigns as a champion, and I know he, it's because he's a heel, so it's not, you know, whatever, but how many times has Roman Reigns gotten to this 1,000 days or aiming towards this 1,400 days because of Solo or because of Jay or Jimmy or, you know, whatever? It's not like he's winning these clean. You look at, like, Harley Race. You look at all these other great champions, Bruno San Martino, who had the belt for that long time because they were winning. Roman Reigns, and again, like I said, I get it. He's a heel. That's what they're supposed so to do. So was Harley Race, though, at that time. Sure. But I think for the last four title defenses, they've all had the same ending. Solo knocks the guy out, and Roman retains. Well, and it makes it kind of pointless, though, that because Roman's not going to lose the belt, so he loses it to Cody at Mania. Right. Right? I mean, that's more, more than likely. But if wouldn't that be the most WWE thing to do, though? Is take the belt off Roman before Cody but, at Mania? So, so, what's the match you would rather see? Would you rather see Roman against Cody, or would you rather see Cody against Seth Rollins? I think the Cody against Seth Rollins match would be way better than the Cody against Roman match. Uh, I don't know about that. I think that you. I think the fans deserve the payoff of Cody taking the belt off Roman. I would. That's what I was gonna say. I think if it was just organic, like without the without Mania this year, the Seth Rollins. Cody Rhodes' story is more organic. That's why they that was his first right. feud. It made a lot more sense. It was a great storyline because Seth Rollins was one of those Dusty's kids yep. at the Performance Center um, and really was the best of the bunch at that time and really one of the best wrestlers in the world. So you look at that. He's got all the earmarks. He's one of Triple H's guys. He's one of like an HBK guy. Yep. It made more sense organically at the time. But now that we had the mania moment where Cody did have Roman down for three seconds till Solo jumps back in, he went for a third Cody cutter and got Samoan spiked by Solo, who'd been barred from ringside. And then the one, two, three happens. I think the payoff is Roman Reigns. But I think organically it should be Seth. Well, and who else is not to say that it's not going to be Seth versus Cody at the following mania? Right. I don't know how long Cody signed a deal for, but I'm assuming he's not going anywhere anytime I soon. Don't think so. Based on, I mean, it's all you know, flavor of the week stuff. But the documentary says he's this is home for him finally. He never felt like WWE was home, but it is now. Well, yeah, because they're probably paying him a shit ton of money, and he's well, right. That's what I'm saying. Now. I get that. So, yeah, I would, I would assume that too. But I don't think there's a payoff for him to go anywhere else either. I mean, he doesn't need the money. 
Well, no, I wouldn't. Cody's probably closer to the end than a lot of people want to realize, too. Yeah, I agree with you. Oh, 100%. He's been in the business now. 2006. So you're talking almost 20 years already. And he did a bunch of those uh, New Japan tours. The New Japan Impact, all the indie shows where he was performing on indie shows four days a week. Yeah, so, I mean, you all of a sudden. A lot of miles. Yeah. That is a lot of miles. And that's, again, just like the AJ Styles of the world, too. I mean, yep. those guys are probably a lot closer to done than people want to realize. Well, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, for that matter, yeah. too, because they were ben on Ballard. independent. Yeah, Finn Balor's like 38, 39 years old. I think he just turned 40. He might have. I think so. Even, you know, even looking at like Ricochet, who is was in AEW, or not AEW, NXT for how long, as the next, one of the next best things, which WWE wasted his career more than they should have. But he's like 34, 35, I think, if not older. So what's WWE going to do when this indie talent they all brought in six years ago all starts retiring all at the same time? John Cena versus Brock Lesnar, 2027. Right. He'll bring back The Rock. <laughs> Goldberg. He'll be walking with a walker. It looks spirit. And up. Isn't that the rumor now, though, that they're pulling back The Rock for Mania? The, the rumor is that he's going to show up this weekend. With Grayson Waller. Yeah, but it's gonna. he's going to cause... He's, he might cost Roman the title to set up a Roman against The Rock match because of the... What is it? The what be like the tribal chief thing? No, 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 uh, no. What's the thing going on with all the actors? The, the oh, writer's the strike. Writer's strike. Yeah, the writers' strike. So, Rock wants to come back to wrestling to get paid because he needs the money, right? <laughs> <laughs> all right, and that's probably enough wrestling for our fans. Uh, this is great bar talk for later. So, um, that leads us to the Green Bay Packers. Which I feel like this is where Ramsey's pipe bomb moment's gonna come. So you've been waiting for it. Are you sure? I have been. Are you sure it's gonna show up? I feel like it is. I could be wrong. I, I'm willing to admit if when I'm wrong, begrudgingly, but I do admit it. No, you it. don't. You never do. But I feel like this is where it's going to come, and I have a feeling it's gonna go one of two ways. So I'll let Ramsey if this is if I'm correct. I think they're gonna be a lot better than people think they are this year. Really? You sh- I looked at their schedule. They have a terribly easy yeah. schedule, which is really bad for Green Bay. Green Bay being good this year does no good for anybody. Okay. I, I don't disagree with anything that you've said so far. Because I think... This was one of the two ways I thought this was going to <laughs> Yeah, happen. I... So, just my offspring on Green Bay. Their schedule is really easy. And I don't think Jordan Love is going to be all that great. I think Jordan Love is going to have a lot of wins. And it's gonna make, and they're gonna pay him a massive contract after the he, he did what one year deal after this. Yeah, he's got a one year extension instead of instead of the the fifth year option, they gave him a fifth year guarantee, and uh, well, it's like thirteen million, which is a steal. So, right. but Green Bay being good this year is bad. You really you should hope Green Bay is a four win team. But Jordan Love plays really well. Like, that's what you should hope for. Then you would know Jordan Love's the future, but you can get him a little bit of help. Because this roster is still the same roster that was last year and the year before and the year before that. There's not really been any new moves that you're like, oh, wow, that's going to help this team out. Unless, and we don't, well, I guess, for second, third round, fourth picks, 
Green Bay has been excellent at rounds like two through six in draft picks. So if that's where you want to put all your eggs in that basket, is that the combination of last year's Watson, Dobbs, Torre, um, this year's Musgrave, Kraft, Jaden Reed, and take your pick of like Dontavian Wicks and Grant Dubose. Take your pick that like three of these this, this year's guys stick and two of last year's stick. If that's what your call your bread and butter is going to be, you look at like a Devontae Adams, you look at like um George, James Jones, and then you throw in um Jordy Nelson. You look at like those guys who were those kind of middle round picks. Then in that capacity, if that's what you're going to build your franchise around and say that you got these early, you know, mid-round steals, then by all means. But I do agree with you that probably best case scenario is Jordan Love looks good. Maybe the defense isn't great, or maybe just they, you know, if they would have had like a first place schedule again, like they've had previous three years, and you get that, you know, you go from thirteen and four again to four and 13, five and whatever, you're looking at maybe bringing in Marvin Harrison Jr. or something like that. Well, and that's what I said. So obviously I wasn't around, but at the end of last season, the worst thing that Green Bay could have done was, it was what, the game in Miami that they ended up pulling out? The yeah. Christmas Day game, yeah. That was the worst thing they could have done because that left them have a playoff hope. And then they went on a run where they played pretty well. That was the worst thing the Packers organization could have ever done. Well, really, let's even go back further. It's that winning that Dallas game. You win that Dallas game. That's what kicks off the whole thing. But I'm saying the Christmas Day game specifically. Sure. If they lose that game, they're a playoff contention. That is correct. Yep. It knocks them out right there. So that was the point where I'm saying that you talk Christmas Day, you lose that game, you're out of playoff contention completely. You get nothing to play for against Minnesota, which then, of course, then sets up nothing to play for against Detroit. Right. And it just, that was a terrible, terrible thing to have happen to Green Bay. And, you know, for what it's worth, I think Green Bay is going to be pretty decent this year. I think their defense is going to be pretty decent. I think they're going to be around an eight or a nine-win team. So I think the over-under is, what, seven, seven and a half? Seven and a half. I would take the over on that because I think Minnesota is going to be worse. I think, I think they're going to be worse. Well, I think they're going to be worse overall, too, but they were a flawed 13 and 14. Right. And that's that's not even being, like, you know, F the Vikings. It's. The amount of one score games they would win in the fourth quarter, you came back. They came back from what that thirty-three nothing yeah. game. Yep. Uh, those that just doesn't happen every single year. You lost your best offensive player in Delvin Cook. You lost one of your, well, I guess Justin Jefferson. I guess yeah, I shouldn't say that. I was but gonna say you lost your second and third best offensive players in Delvin Cook and uh, Adam Thielen. Where I think, so I think Minnesota's gonna be worse, right? I don't think Detroit's gonna live up to the hype. Detroit, I don't think so. I don't up to the hype. And if you look at their numbers from last year, they had a bottom five defense. Sure. And granted, I don't think you need a top ten defense anymore to be competitive. But you can't have bottom five. I'd agree. And with they that. were also a team that I think Jared Goff had the most fourth quarter wins last year of any quarterback. Well, that just that just you don't even say any of the stats. You just say Jared Goff and. He got to one Super Bowl with the Rams based on everybody else around him. I saw an interesting wager today talking about the next team in the NFC North. Uh, Chicago Bears over under on Justin Fields passing yards of 2,900. That's 
tragic for a like top pick quarterback. But tell me that's not a tasty bet, though. It is and it's not. I wouldn't put money on that either way. But here's what I will say about that. Just the the de-evolution. If you're gonna if you were told me that a team that overdrafted Mitch Trubisky replaced him with a first round quarterback and they got worse at the quarterback position. Well, they got worse than they got rid of Matt Nagy. Sure. But what I'm saying is if you were told me that Mitch Trubisky's replacement was wor- a worse quarterback overall. I don't than think him, he is. I think no, they got rid of Matt Nagy. That was Matt Nagy was a brilliant coach. Mm-hmm that got a lot of shit in Chicago for a lot of the wrong reasons. I'd agree with that, too. I think Matt Nagy was probably the best coach in the division for the entire time he was in the division. I'd probably agree with yeah. that as well. And I think that he would still be the best coach in the division if he were to come back to Chicago. I'd probably agree with that still. I think Matt Nagy is a better offensive mind than Matt Flores. Just because Matt LaFleur's offensive system has kind of gone away a little bit from what tends to win in the NFL right now? Yes and no. I mean, you look at, I mean, that's the Kyle Shanahan tree. The 49ers, it doesn't matter who plays yep. quarterback for them. but Or running back for that matter. Yeah, or but, wide receiver yeah, for that matter. But you also have arguably the best left tackle of all time. Sure. And the best defense in the league by a mile. Right. Sure. And you have Christian McCaffrey. I mean, they didn't need him, though. I would argue they didn't need him. They don't need Debo Samuel. Yeah, but you needed him for Brock Purdy. Right. Sure. You didn't necessarily need him when you had um, Trey Lance, and you didn't necessarily need him when you had Jimmy Jimmy Garoppolo. Because Jimmy Garoppolo was a critically underrated quarterback for his entire career in San Francisco. Oh, 100%. He didn't necessarily throw a great out ball, but he still threw a really good out ball, and that's a pretty decent sign of a decent quarterback. So – a um, skinny flag route is a pretty decent... If you didn't throw that ball well in the NFL, you're going to make some money. Um, so, but regardless, it's just... I mean, I'm going to say the Shanahan tree is not as good as the Andy Reid tree. I'd also agree with that as well. There's, I don't think that's much of a discussion. And I but think the NFL is going more towards Andy Reid and away from Kyle Shanahan. We've seen it with what everyone's doing with the running back conversation right now talking about how running backs shouldn't get paid, which I've been on that for – you pull up the episodes. So loyal listeners, go back and listen to Ramsey when he was talking about this two years ago. Um, why this you was don't, the Aaron Jones conversation. Why you don't want to pay Aaron Jones a second deal or the second year on his contract, which it's worked out pretty decent. So I might have been a little wrong in that aspect, but I was on this train Aaron Jones, two years ago. to his credit – He's only making like five. He's taking enough pay cuts. He signed the big deal. Yep. And he's taking the pay cuts to stay in Green Bay because that's where he wants to yep. be. But no, I agree with you as a whole. I, I do find it incredibly, and I guess not incredibly shitty, but incredibly shitty for like with the whole Jonathan Taylor situation that's going on right now. And I do think that I don't, though. There's I mean, guys that does, you know, you look at Christian McCaffrey. Christian McCaffrey deserved to get paid at some point. Okay, but Christian McCaffrey is also arguably the best slot receiver in the NFL. Right. Yeah, probably. So here's where, and this is where the running backs are dumb. I'm going to call that entire group that got on that Zoom call a couple weeks ago. Was that last week? Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. So if I go on and I talk shit about my company and then say that I deserve to get paid more than I do on a Zoom call for the entire public to watch, I would do the same thing to Jonathan Taylor. 
I would probably agree with that. So as well. you can't, and that's this is something that I don't understand. And like, if you if you're running back the guy on that Zoom call, I blackball you too. Because to be honest, they're not needed anymore. And so why the 49ers didn't need Christian McCaffrey with Trey Lance there? Trey Lance is going to take probably 25% of Christian McCaffrey's runs, right? Thereabouts. Just like, uh, what's his name? Richardson from the Colts. Yep. Yep. It's probably going to cut into 25% of Jonathan Taylor's carries this year. Thereabouts. Probably 25%, right? So Somewhere 15, 25% is a little Yeah, but he's going to cut into those runs. So is it really worth it to pay money? to a running back, and listen to him be a headache, or to give money to your quarterback and let him just run the ball 10 times a game. I don't entirely disagree with that. I, like I said, I just find it... I think that there is talent... There's two ways to do it. There's two ways to do the running back position right now. And no. we are at a crossroads of... And I think it's trending towards one of these ways. I think there's one way. I think there's been one way. When was the last playoff team that won big games with an all-star running back? It's been a while. The Titans from a couple years ago? Right. And they don't win. They don't win, right? Because they're too running back-centric. And that's where the league has gone completely away. I mean, the Chiefs found Pachinko in, what, the fourth round seventh or the seventh round? round? Yeah, seventh round. And they were going to run him four years and let him go. Mm-hmm. Even so, the 49ers outside of McCaffrey. Okay, McCaffrey's probably the one exception to this right. rule. But McCaffrey is also a once-in-a-generation type talent. So I want to ask you this, because this is something we talked about. Sean and I talked about this last week on the episode. Uh, we talked about it conversationally before that as well. There was a, I think it was like a Reddit post or a tweet, um, suggesting that the NFLPA, and I know that they're not going to do this because the NFLPA is never going to turn down money for their players, but the NFLPA should look at adjusting the rookie pay scale for running backs to make them have a two- or three-year deal as opposed to a four- to five-year deal. Why? So that after the, that two-year deal, when they get drafted, that if you're not – because the old the saying, and you, we all would probably agree with this, that if you're not you know getting significant playing time in your second or third year, you're not going to make it. Sure. So it would, in this person's theory, force teams to either have to draft a running back every two years or to pay some of these guys. Why don't you just adjust it for everyone then? I don't disagree with that either. Just adjust the pay scale overall. Running backs at this point have become expendable, and that's what analytics tell you. Analytics tell you that you can add, you can throw a seventh round pick in and win a Super Bowl. No, I I, I don't disagree with that at all. And the Eagles also didn't have a top flight running back either. They had they didn't have a running back at a rushing touchdown all year. They had a running back by committee. So your two teams in the Super Bowl this past year didn't have anything special running back. Then you go back to what the Tampa Bay year before that. And Tampa Bay Rams had... Rams the year before that, and they had a committee. Tampa Bay had a committee. A uh, year before that would have been the Chiefs again. And they had committee. Yep. And so it, you're, the teams that are winning in the league right now don't need running backs. And so unfortunately for these stud running backs that are out there, you're just not valuable anymore. And I'm really sick of... if Okay, so if you don't want to play be a running back, go be a linebacker. Go be a receiver. Go be a tight end. Well, I was going to say, what do you think that does to college football? It doesn't matter. We what? haven't used running backs in 15 years anyways. What do we think it does to B. John Robinson, then? He's going to be kind of more like the first McCaffrey, because he's got that yeah. explosive I, talent. I, th- I think he, he's going to be another one of those guys that's going to be the outlier on this whole thing. Oh, Hunter, I, I agree with you on that, because I think he's going to be more that McCaffrey work. He's going to mm-hmm. show his skill as a slot guy. And um, B. John Robinson, at, so I watched him 
So last year I watched a bunch of Texas games. So I watched a lot of Bijan Robinson. So I watched just about every single Texas game and every single USC game last year. Bijan Robinson was NFL ready going into the season last year at Texas. So he's the most can't miss prospect, and especially with where the Falcons are at with Desmond Ritter being your starting quarterback. Mm-hmm. And this is what happened to Green Bay that they didn't count on. And this is why they did a lot of the roster moves they did. They just weren't anticipating Aaron Rodgers to go off like he did. Get the rookie quarterback all the possible help they can get to figure out if that's a quarterback for the future or if you need to move on. And Aaron Rodgers really threw that plan off with Jordan Love because now we're going into contract year and we have to give him the fifth-year extension without having – you know who? What's funny is we can look back at this, and Mason Sprangers, the first time he was on this show, said that exact same thing, and we all knew it. It was it was the yeah. writing that was on the wall. Everyone could see you draft that quarterback in 2020, coming off a year where they you know they barely make the playoffs. They're the, probably this side of the Vikings, one of the more flawed 13 and three, 13 slash four teams. They win ugly in the first round of the playoffs. Well, no, the first round was that um, Seattle game that we went to. Yep. And got boat raced by San Francisco in the NFC yep. Championship game. So, from that capacity, like it makes sense. No, 100%. And I'm not saying it doesn't make sense. And but... then, but then, like you said, you know, then he comes back and has his, you know, the whole offseason of whatever actually happened. We still, I don't think we'll ever actually know 100% what happened. Oh, Aaron's going to do a doc. Think so? Oh, come on. Aaron Rodgers, he loves to hear himself talk. He's going to do a doc. Well, maybe we will know what happened. I was about to say, we're going to know exactly <laughs> what happened. And, like, Aaron just threw their timeline off. And that's fine. I mean, Green Bay was in a Super Bowl window. It, it happens. But it really puts Jordan Love in a bad spot now of what are we doing with Jordan Love now? What? And that's – if there's any – ever been anybody to handle this, I think Jordan Love handled it as well as he could. I'll give the front office this, and I am a very vocal critic of the front office in a lot of situations. I said this on last week's episode, how they handled that shareholder meeting last week could not have been done better Yeah, with the whole situation. They uh, Granted, they had a script of what not to do right. from the first time, but they could not have handled it better this time around. What makes me nervous about Jordan Love is that all I've heard all offseason is that temper expectations for Jordan Love. From the coaching staff, the players, I mean, and that's the, what you do. But players you talk are up your boy. delusional. The coaching staff, so the people, the adults in the room are actually talking and saying, hey, temper expectations, temper expectations, which is a terrifying thing to say if you want Green Bay to be a decent team. I think Jordan Love, from what I've seen, coming out of training camp looks confident. Oh, this year's team, I'm a betting man. If the odds were better, because they're not great odds either way on that over-under win total. Sure. If the odds were better one way or the other, I would be hammering that over. It's not going to win you a lot of money. It's I think it's like plus 125 over. Yeah. It's a fun bet. I mean, um, my brother-in-law, Ben, and I, we're, we're going to be making a bet for Packers to win the division, which isn't outside the realm of possibility. And do I think it happens at the end of the day? Probably not. But is it a realm of possibility? Because if the Vikings aren't going to be as good, the Lions probably aren't going to live up to the height that's around them right now. A 7 and, you know, you look at what they're over-unders, you look at it like an 8-9 and nine team can very quickly become 10-7 and seven win a division. But I would say this. I would say every single one of the teams in the division right now, I would say their win total should be 7.5. 
I don't doubt that. I'm going like, to look I'm it up. I'm just trying to curiosity. I'm not saying that's what it is, but I'm saying if I was going to make the odds, I'd put this at seven and a half across the division. So you think we're going to turn into NFC North is going to be NFC East of old? Yes. It's going to be a right around 500 team and is going to win the division. To be honest, that's the worst place to be. Right. 500 in the NFL is a death sentence because you draft, what, 10 to 15? Yep. And we saw what happened this past year with the draft. And what, Lucas NS, whatever. Like, that's. Detroit's nine and a half. Minnesota is checking in at eight and a half. Green Bay is seven and a half. Chicago, seven and a half. So if it were me, I would say the more than likely Minnesota is probably going to be a little bit more than seven and a half. And I think Green Bay is going to be a little more than seven and a half. I think Detroit and Chicago are going to be right around six or seven. So if you're forecasting this division, you're saying Minnesota or Green Bay, Minnesota or Green Bay, Detroit, Chicago. Probably. Sean? I think Detroit probably wins, but they're not going to have... It's not going to be pretty. No, it's not going to be pretty. They're going to be 10-7, and 9-8. and eight. It's going to be something like that. And I, I don't think Minnesota is going to do that great. At least with Minnesota, and say what you about Kirk Cousins, and I'm a pretty big Kirk Cousins hater, but he's solid enough right. that Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson is probably good for seven wins. I, I seen something today that Kirk Cousins can be the, what is it, the fifth quarterback of all time to beat all 32 teams this year. Oh, they have commanders on there? Yeah. So they have, he's beat, he's got Cincinnati and the Chiefs are the only two teams he hasn't beat. Oh, he's not going to be doing all those things this year. Just to be in the but, conversation, right, though. Just to be in the conversation. You're one or two teams away. Kirk Cousins has been uh, the epitome of average. He is Dak Prescott, but probably a better thrown ball. He's this football generation's version of Jay Cutler. I think he's better than Jay Cutler. Would you, would you say? I think Jim, Jay Cutler Jim, was very Jim Kelly. I think Jay Cutler was better than most people give him credit for. Talent, I, talent wise. Yeah, but as an actual player, though. No. Sure. Um, anyway, so just kind of looking at some of the storylines coming out of Packers camp. Uh, first of all, the one that obviously is going to dominate the conversation is the day-by-day even improvement of Jordan Love, where he's gotten at least a handful of highlight throws every day. Um, today's big play was the one to Christian Watson down the sideline. Um, yesterday he had one 33-yard thing to Samari Torre. There's been a couple of big plays every every practice. Uh, for what it's worth, on Saturday they ran their first two-minute drill. He was four of seven, including a clock spike, so really four of six. Uh, went down the field for a touchdown to Luke Musgrave. And that's what I anticipate him to be. Like, he's going to be... So I said this a while back, probably last time I was on here. I think Jordan Love's going to be around the Kirk Cousins, Dak Prescott conversation. Sure. So in my opinion, that's probably around 15th in the league. Now, the problem is you can't win Super Bowls with the 15th ranked quarterback. Not now, anyway. I was going to say Trent Dilfer would probably disagree, but... And Eli but, Manning, but that, right? That and that Joe Flacco. So good and... <laughs> and, but I don't see that from Green Bay coming up this year. So it's going to be incredibly interesting, and they'll probably have a pretty good idea what Green Bay is going to do next year 
by about Thanksgiving. Sure, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I think looking so like I said, Jordan Love, like I said, people looking at the you know, at camp, the talking point has been how good he looks even compared to last year, which is what it is. He's going against the number one defense now, but he's playing very well. Um, like I said, you see a couple highlights every day of people taking yeah. videos that shouldn't be taking videos according to Packer training camp rules, which are stupid. But they're out there. If you want to go look them up, Twitter or sorry, X. Yeah. Not Twitter anymore. <laughs> so if you want to go on X and uh, look them up, they're there for everybody to see. Uh, really, f- it's it's fun to watch him play well and throw the ball well. Like I said, he looks like an NFL quarterback. He does. He has the look. He has the feel of the team around him. Um, to the team's credit, they've really embraced him. Yeah. Um, he seems like a genuinely nice guy. Oh, absolutely. Like, everything I've seen from him seems to be a genuinely decent dude. It's just, the one thing that we're all gonna always going to go back to is the decision-making. Sure. Right? And how, and at this point in modern NFL, most of it's decision-making. Mm-hmm. Right? And the quarterbacks you question are people like Josh Allen, right? Sure. But Josh Allen, we can all say, was pr- is probably one of the most gifted quarterbacks we've ever seen. Absolutely. Just physically gifted. But you never really question Joe Burrow's decision-making. You never really question Patrick Mahomes' decision-making. You never really question... When you start talking about the top of the league, Trevor Lawrence never trust or never questioned his decision-making. So you start getting to the top of the league, and that's where... That's what you have to answer, right? Are you... Where do you fall in that hierarchy of quarterbacks? And I guess maybe best-case scenario is that... the. Junior year was a fluke at Utah State. Yeah. Because he felt like he didn't have his offense coordinator, all his friends around him, like all the receivers got drafted, and he had to do, he had to force a lot of stuff to even remain competitive. And you think that maybe he falls back into that window, or you hope that talent around him makes him fall back into that window yeah. that it was a sophomore year versus the junior year. A um, couple other storylines around camp that I think are very fun to kind of look at. The emergence of Keyshawn Nixon in all three facets of the game. We know what he can do in the return game. He has been all over the field defensively as a slot corner. And then even getting snaps today with the one the number one offense, too. Um, so that's been very fun. Uh, the secondary kind of finally, you know, you hope there's no injury, but knock on wood. Um, but... <laughs> You look at Rasul Douglas and Jair Alexander are finally on the same page in terms of communication because they didn't really even play together until midway through last year with both being injured yeah. at different times. Um, so those are your two kind of your outside guys. You look at the addition of Corey Ballantyne, who's been another kind of camp darling this this far. Um, so this defense kind of stepping up. You look at Lucas Vaness, who's been pretty decent. Um all things considered. But really, the rookie that's turning heads has been Luke Busgrave, which I kind of figured would be the case. That was always wow. my pick to be the case anyway. And he looks like an NFL tight end, though. He looks exactly what Green Bay needed to replace yeah. Big Bob. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, he looks like a better version oh, of 100%. Big Bob. That 100%. dude is freakishly athletic. Um, so really, I mean, I have not gotten to camp yet. We are going to family night Saturday. Saturday. So... That'll be my first look at camp in person, aside from just reading about how fast this year's team is. You like you look at that's something that we haven't been able to say about the Green Bay Packers really almost ever. No, not It's how young and fast they are going to be this year, which may not always lead to wins, but it should be I think this season's gonna be fun. 
So just to kind of bring this full circle, Ramsey, when you came on and you said you had stuff to talk about, I figured it was going to be one of two things. Option one was the very obvious was that, yeah, Jordan Love's still not the guy. Bleep him, bleep him. He's not, you know, this isn't going to be that good of a well, season. Well, I still don't think he's the guy. Don't get that twisted. I, from, I think he looks competent. I think that he, I, I just don't, I don't know. He would have to have an amazing year for me to feel comfortable paying him money. No, and I agree with that. I'm just saying I figured that this was going to be Ramsey's I told you so moment coming up. So I figured that was going to be one option or it was going to be Packers might be kind of good this year, and they should be fun to watch. I think they're going to be aggressively average. I think they're going to be a good 500 team, around 500. Sure. If you look at their schedule, it plays nice. They got lucky with some scheduling breaks and how stuff falls. Well, they're a third. They're playing a third place team or schedule, which is great for them. But even if you look, they got Kansas City at, at home. home in. Is it the first week of December? Thereabouts. I I yeah, know I that they have in terms of strength of schedule and like, they have like the second lowest miles traveled this season. Yep, but they get so they get Kansas City at home, and traditionally speaking, Patrick Mahomes his. Throwing motion usually goes off the rails about that every single year. He usually has like a four-week stretch where you're like, what happened to Patrick Mahomes until he gets it corrected? Sure. And playing Green Bay, it's probably going to be a Sunday night game. It is a Sunday night game as of right now, that, barring flex. That can catch up on you, and that's going to be a sneaky, decent Green Bay team. So they're going to win some games they probably shouldn't. They're probably going to lose some games they probably, they probably should. shouldn't. So... That's my opinion on this year's Green Bay roster. All right, Sean, you got any final thoughts as we're in the first week of training camp? No, I'm, no, I'm thinking they're going to be right around that, that 500 mark. I don't think they're going to be any worse than last year, kind of win-wise. I would agree with that. I, I mean, mean, I, mean the, the, I, th I think Jordan Love just has to be, like you, like you were saying, kind of that mediocre, just don't, Screw it up type yeah. thing. Yep. Good enough. Right. All right, boys. Well, that is our pretty heavy focus on sports for the week. We did go a little bit longer than we have been, but by all means, it was awesome. Uh, we wrap up with what we always wrap up with and talking about what we are rooting for in the upcoming week. And Ramsey, are we going to have you next week, or are we going to go for what Ramsey's rooting for in the upcoming 10 months? <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Uh, obviously, WIR, Ty Majewski tomorrow night should be a pretty decent show. He always shows up for this race. So um, that's what my route for is for this coming up week. All right. Sean? I think just Packer, Packer season starting. I think that's what my route for is going to be because we got family night this weekend, and then, then it's preseason. I'm going to double down. I mean, both of you guys got it on the head. I mean, we got MLB trade deadline tomorrow. I just want to see Rams' reaction on that one. MLB trade deadline tomorrow. See what the Brewers are going to do. They lost tonight 5-3. to three. Um, We've got WIR tomorrow night, which is always a great time to be yeah. uh, down in Nina or Kakana. Um, and then, of course, like you said, back at Lambeau for family night on Saturday. And really kind of get a glimpse of what this team looks like in an NFL stadium. For a lot of these guys, the first time that they're going to be in that NFL stadium yep. um, with a sold-out or basically sold-out practice. Which is crazy to think about, isn't it? Absolutely. Well, it was crazy at the shareholder meeting how many people, yeah. people were there. 10,000, 15,000 people at a, at a 
on a business meeting, meeting that they <laughs> talk yeah. at you. You don't have any say, and they talk at you. A business presentation. Yeah, that's pretty much what it was. All right, and then that leads us to our bar of the week. And Rams, you got a bar for us? Uh, Pub 55 in Kakana, Wisconsin. All right, let's look up Pub 55. 1441 Arbor Way, Kakana, Wisconsin. 4.2 on the Google reviews. 645 reviews. Uh, Rams, while I bring up the Google reviews, tell us about Pub 55. It is Kakana's version of Plank Road. Really good food. They have an excellent whiskey selection. So if you're into uh, high-end whiskey, they have Pappy there. They have Blanton's. They have Taylor. They have just about anything you want. Um, they serve Banquet on Tap at Pub 55. They have an awesome outside sitting area where you can just kind of go hang out and open air. They have uh, Wednesday Volleyball Leagues. So just about anything you could ask for, they have. Um, nice bar, just in general. All right, just one, a couple quick reviews here. Uh, one from Andrea or Andre, I'm not sure. I'm just going to go with it. This is a five-star review from two months ago saying, I have not experienced a bar and grill like this in a very long time. Walked in, the staff was happy to serve, opposed to a lot of other restaurants in the area. Bartender from the second that I walked in uh, assisted happily in what I wanted to drink and eat. Great prices, great food. Highly recommend their strawberry walnut uh, salad with grilled chicken. Amazing. Beer was cold. Great selection. By far uh, the best around in IPAs for sure. Had the guava juiced IPA. Also best around for high quality tequila, which was kind of what Ramsey was saying yep. with the high quality alcohol selection. Uh, Woohoo! Highly recommend. Very clean and great temperature. The owners I met before I left, both happy and lively, good-hearted people. Sum it up, I found a place I feel like family already and I will be back. Can't wait to see their bands. Pet friendly outside. Anything that they missed? Nope, that hits right in the head. All right, I will leave it at that. I have not been there yet, so I can't say much more, but I'll take Rams' word for yeah, it. Great recommendation. And with that, we are in the books. Episode 121 is out. For Justin and Sean and I here, for Sean, Ramsey, who is here, and myself, Eric Fisher, Biggie, we're out. See ya. Bye. See ya.